All set. Big time is showtime and action. What's up, Kevin Stevens? How are you? Billy boy, what's going on, kid? How are you? Not much, not much, Nate. Thanks for coming on my show. Listen, Kevin, oh, I want to hold I'm going to try to do what, the, the impossible to interview you like I don't love you like a brother and look up to uh, as one of my yeah, my idol, my, my childhood idol, um, <laughs> Kevin Stevens. And um, I want to ask you, Kevin, who got you into hockey? I think, you know, I think it's kind of weird because my dad never played hockey. My dad was like a baseball, basketball guy, but, but it was kind of, um, I got to say my dad, because we kind of played street hockey and he, you know, obviously, you know, you know how it is really with our dad taking us to rinks all the time. So he's the one that got me started, but he wasn't a hockey player, which was kind of crazy. You know, he's more just an athlete, more of a baseball guy, but, but he's the one that got me to the rinks and got me where I had to be, you know, how much work it is for, you know, to be a parent and what be it you now to get these guys to get everybody to the rink, you know? What, um, where did you, where's your dad originally from? Dad's originally from Whitman, like Mass. He, uh, he played some baseball with the Cincinnati Reds, uh, minor league organization. And, you know, oh, he, did he? he? Was he, dra was he drafted by them, Kevin? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he was a catcher. So, you know, he, uh, he played, so where he played are you? a little football. Yeah, I was a catcher too, so I kind of followed his footsteps. But he was, he was big into baseball. Like he he coached our town baseball teams here, our legion teams, without you know even having a kid playing. You know, so I remember going to watch the games, and he was just coaching it. You know, so he was he was really involved with baseball. What about your mom? Where's she from, Kev? My mom is a Whitman woman too. My, my dad has passed. My mom's still alive, which is great. But um, I'm my sorry mom, they kind that. of uh, yeah, they were kind of like high school. You know, they were kind of. That high school couple, but my mom, um, my mom's great. You know, they, yeah, mom's got to keep us together. So she's always been there for me, which is which is awesome. You know. And can you tell us, Kevin, were you an only child? Did you have brothers and sisters? No, I had two sisters. One, um, an older sister. Uh, like I think I was two years apart with my sisters. I'm I'm 55 right now. I think uh, one of mine is 57 and 59. So it's kind of. We're kind of in that same age bracket growing up, which was good. You're the baby. Yeah. We're, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, it was good. We were good. You know, we weren't a rich family. We were just a normal family growing up. It was awesome. You know, it was, I had great parents. My sisters were great, so it was all good. A lot of love in the house, huh? Yeah, it was a good house. There was a lot of, uh, yeah, it was good. It's old, you know, the old school houses are, Billy. You know, things have changed. You know, it is. It's, um, you know, it's still, there's still a lot of good, you know, every, you know, families are great, families are great, but back then it was just a little different now, you know. Did you get your license right away, Kevin? Yeah, I got it. Um, yeah, I got it right away, I think. I got it like at 16 and a half. It wasn't um, back then, you know, it was, uh, I think. You were at Silver Lake at the time, it. obviously. So when, so you, your yeah. parents are from Whitman. How did you end up in Pembroke? Yeah, I don't know how we ended up Pembroke. I think it was just one of those things we kind of fell into it, you know. It was um, I, I don't think we were, uh, you know, we're looking in Pembroke. I think it's just one of those places that's kind of close to Whitman. We kind of fell into a, we had a nice house on a dead-end street, so it was a good place to grow up, you know. A lot of street hockey and sports down there. Cranberry, down. cranberry, cranberry bogs, Billy. You know, the cran I lived directly across from the cranberry bogs there, so they, they would flood those all the time, and we'd stay, uh, stay on the bogs over there. So that's how I kind of grew up on the cranberry bogs. 
Now, listen, Kevin, everybody who starts out in hockey and, and continues to play up into high school, um, I think a lot of guys, not everybody actually, but a lot of guys have dreams of playing in the NHL. How did you come from Pembroke, um, which isn't a huge hockey town? You do have a rink over there, but, um, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, it's not Toronto, Ontario. So how, how, did, yeah. you, how did you make it happen for yourself, Kevin? Um. I'm not really sure, but I was kind of, I was, I played all sports. Like, you know, back then you were able to play all sports. I wasn't really sure I could be a hockey player. I, I, I was a decent hockey player growing up and I was, you know, I could score goals and whatever. Right. I, you know, when we're real little, we're always good. And then people catch up to us and you got to kind of take off again. But I think it was, uh, like I said, I played all sports in high school. I really liked baseball probably as a catcher too. I like my dad. I like baseball a little more than hockey, but, I was able to grow up playing hockey, baseball, and I played football in high school. So it was all – I had a taste of everything, and I, and I kind of just fell into it. I got that scholarship to go to BC my junior year in high school. And from there, that's kind of when the hockey took off, you know. Who recruited you? Who was that from? Lenny Sadowski? Um, Len, yeah, Lenny was – yeah, Lenny was in Duxbury. So he was uh, – I was living in Pembroke at Silver Lake, so he was able to see us play a lot and – uh so I was lucky enough to go. My sister went to BC, so it was kind of—I was kind of entrenched in BC, you know. Did your dad know uh, Lenny? No, I don't think my dad. They didn't know him before. Why'd you before pick BC, kind of Kevin? Um, I don't know. Either gonna be yeah, yeah, I was gonna be BC or BU or, you know, I—I I think I thought I was, you know, like I said, my sister went there, so I was up there a little bit. They kind of knew the campus, and uh, I just felt comfortable. A lot of, a lot of. You know, a lot of guys I know. Back then, it was only my math kids were going to BC. You know, Billy was like, you know, I knew Harlow, Neil Shea, all those guys, Sweeney, Dougie Brown, all those guys ahead of me. You know, I think I, I think I got a statistic for you or a uh, trivia question. Who was the first Canadian hockey player and what position did he play and what is his name? Yeah, I know. That's that BC. I don't even know that. I was saying Greg that. Taylor, and he was a goalie. And I believe he was uh, in 1990. Two, maybe three. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Greg Taylor, first Canadian, uh, they're desperate for a goalie, wow. I guess. <laughs> so, listen, you're getting, you're getting to BC. Uh, did you get drafted before or while you were at BC by the Penguins? I got drafted. You know what? I got drafted by L.A. before. I think my freshman, my freshman, maybe my freshman year, in between, in between years of high school, you know. Going into my freshman year there, so I was kind of, I was kind of uh, in between those years, and uh, I actually played one year at, at BC and kind of got traded. I didn't really know what was going on, you know. I didn't know, but it wasn't like it is now, you know. Philly, where everybody knows where they're getting drafted. I had no idea where I was getting drafted, you know. How did you find out about it? Kind of found out. I, the draft, I found out I got, I got picked. I kind of just got a call. I wasn't even following the draft. It wasn't like I was sitting home watching you. Know, Who called you? I kind of got a call from uh, someone in LA's organization. I forget who drafted. Someone maybe one of the scouts or the GM called me and said they had drafted me. It was a six-round pick. And then, um, like I said, then I got traded. Eddie Johnson traded for six me. Six round? Yeah. You were 108th overall. Is that the sixth round? Yeah, 111th, I think. 108, 111. Something like that. It's back 108th. Then, it's I got round. it right here. <laughs> yeah, I got you pulled that's up. The <laughs> That's the sixth round there, yeah. It was back back then. It was only twenty teams, right? It's not twenty one teams. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, so who calls you to tell you you traded? Um, I think you know honestly, I didn't even know when I got a call. I got traded. I wasn't. Even, I wasn't like 
wasn't a big trade at the time. It was kind of like a. Who'd you get traded for? This Anders Hawkinson kid, Swedish kid from uh, that was playing in Pitt, but then it was kind of like I didn't really know what was uh, even happening there. Um, but like I said, I, when I found out, when I found out, I think my sister found out. She, she read it somewhere. I heard it. And she called me before I talked to anybody in Pittsburgh. Well, I'm, I I know you're tight with Neil Shea, and uh, me, you, and Neil Shea kind of like uh, uh, three guys who got each other's backs over the years. And uh, he always told me how tight and how much um, your sisters uh, really uh, loved you and uh, looked after you and, and uh, just like really uh, were just amazing people. And I just want to put that out there. Yeah, no, they were you know, I, 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 I need them when I need them. They're always there. They've always been there for me, so I've been lucky that way too. You know, but it's you know, yeah, it's it's right. it's tough to it's tough tough in this world if you don't get anyone you have in your back for sure. Yeah. Listen, I want yeah. I want to talk about when you 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 did all four years at BC, correct? Yeah, yeah. And do oh, you remember yeah. your yeah. do you remember your stats? Did you have good stats? I mean, because I don't think you yeah. I don't think you started out right away in. Uh, in the NHL, and you, know, uh, you go on to become one of the best, or if not the best left wing, American left wing of all time. So tell us about that. Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know how you're not in the Hall of Fame, but um, that's we're gonna get into that in a minute. But um, I mean, you got Boston no, College. Your first, your first year, you have 37 games. You got 20 points, uh, 36 yeah. pins. Tell us about your freshman year. Yeah, freshman year was different. It was tough. It was one of those, you know. It's kind of one of those things where you come out of high school and, um, you know, you're playing all the time. You think, you know, you know, then you go into BC and it's a little bit of coach track, but everybody there is there to play hockey. It's not like you have, you know, all the guys there on scholarship to play hockey. So everybody wants to play. So, you know, you got to beat guys out. And, but, and when you're a freshman, you start from the bottom. And, uh, you know, it was good. I think I think my freshman year was a learning experience. I kind of got bounced around a little bit. You, didn't, you never know when you Who'd you play, play with? I played mostly with um, back in my freshman year. I didn't know who was on my last. I wasn't playing a lot really. That I was kind of like in and out. I was playing, but I wasn't. Like, Were you? Hey, ho, ho, hey, hey, oh, oh, stop it! Were you dressed for every game? I don't know if I was dressed for every game. Did you no, get? Have you ever couple... been healthy scratched? You've never been healthy oh, scratched. Yeah, I've been healthy scratched. In college freshman scratched. year. You got 37 games, 20 points. I think that's a hell of a season for a freshman. But in the – you guys are ECAC yeah. then, huh? Yeah, it's not bad. It's just, but I definitely know I've been healthy scratch before. I don't know where or when, but I know I have. So, listen – oh, it's fucking – isn't that awful? Uh, listen, you're in the ECAC as a freshman too. What, 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 can you tell us about that? Like, do you remember being in the ECAC and then Hockey East uh, for the next year? Yeah, Hockey East, ECAC, they're kind of – Kind of thing. I didn't really know. I think the more of the hockey East became. I think the teams out west came in the league. We come we kind of joining with those guys out there and playing with like Minnesota and Duluth and all those teams. We're, we're playing a little bit more out there instead of just the East around here in the East, you know. So, but it was who good made to, who uh, made that happen for BC? Saglowski, the I, athletic director. Yeah, I don't know who made. I think I think I don't know the league. I think Lou was like hockey ahead of the hockey East and all that stuff. So I I don't know how it all happened, but. We kind of ventured out and played all the Western teams, started to play, and they started to count for the league games. I don't know how I forget how they were doing it, but I know I know they were recorded games. You know? So it wasn't working for your tur- your tournament bid, if you you know what I mean. If you're playing all those Western teams, yeah. yeah. How does yeah, that work for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know exactly how it worked. It was probably 
you know, those points count, but the hockey's points, they count. I think maybe it was out of conference and in conference. You know, the hockey's when we played the hockey's teams in the East, they count, you know, those points counted. I think, I think who's I the best player? Who's the best player freshman year that impressed you most that you said, uh, when I go, when I go home this summer, I gotta, I gotta, you know, buckle down and get better. Yeah, my freshman. freshman year. Yeah, they, you know, they, they had good players up there, you know, like Sweeney was there. He was, you know, they had, they had Dougie Brown. They had a lot of good players. Neil was, Neil Shea was there. They had Hollow Dougie Brown, Bobby yeah. Sweeney, Neil Shea, yeah. Who else? Scotty um, Howell. Scotty Howell, Howell he was a sniper. Sniper. Yeah, he was a really good player. Kenny Hodge? Was it Kenny, Kenny Hodge, Hodge there? He came in the year after. I mean, he came in a year, like he's a year behind me. He was good in college. That's who I played. I played with him mostly. Kenny Hodges, Dougie Brown, mostly in my three years, uh, in my last two years of college, you know. Yeah, he was a good player for the Bruins for a number of years. I liked his yeah, game. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's transition into your first year in hockey. You got 40 games. You're stepping up now. You got 16 more points. You're starting to score more. You got 13 goals with 23 assists for 36 points out of 40 games. You almost got a point a game as a sophomore. Can you tell us about that? And are you starting to get some power play time or some trust with the coach? Yeah, yeah, I think not I really. Think it was. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not really. I, I, yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I was getting much more time. I was, I was playing more. Probably I was playing with better players. You know, I probably. Who were you playing, playing with, with as a sophomore? Players. Do you remember anyone? Sophomore, I was playing. I I think I was with Dougie Brown and Kenny Hodge, and I think I think Hodge was a freshman that year. That was when we kind of started to play together, you know, and then. Um, but we had like we had a lot of good players on that team. That team, uh, oh yeah, know, I, I used to go. With you. I used to watch every game, bro. My dad used to. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, my dad. We used to go to a lot of college hockey games. Uh, BC yeah. Conti yeah. Forum. I actually am. Uh, yeah. I'm 45. I got 10. You got 10 years on me, you old goat. Yeah. But um, I I remember uh, going to watch uh, you guys play when you all had eagle cages at the old Conti Forum yeah. or the old uh, McNeil Arena or something, and it had wooden. Uh, it had wooden bleaches for seats, right? Yeah, McHugh, McHugh for McHugh, right? Yeah, okay, I skated there, too, actually, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a good place. That was a good yeah, how place. many how many oh, people my. did that hold with those wooden bleaches? I think, I think, I think like 3,800, you know, it was, it was an old bar. It was nice, though, you know. And what did, uh, the, what did the new place have? Like, I think uh, the new place 7,500, I think. Okay, like yeah. Now, 8,500. So, I so never what about... What about your junior year? Junior year, um, you had forty-four points in forty-two games. Forty-two games, seventeen goals, twenty yeah, seven. Now you're on the map. Like, is it trying to sign you yeah. yet? Is, are they trying to yeah, sign I think, you? I think, I think, yeah, my junior year, they kind of, that's why I was kind of trying to talk to the Pittsburgh guys. You know, it kind of, you know, it was. Um, I don't know. I wasn't gonna. I I, I know I need to go back to school. I, I wasn't ready to go sign. I need. I need to. I could score goals and stuff, but I need to really work on my skating. And I kind of that, that kind of helped. Uh, you know, my senior year, I had a good year. And then the Olympics after that was a big part of my uh, progress. You know, tell us about that. Yeah, we went from uh, well, my senior year, it was kind of, I was kind of, I didn't play on those U.S. teams. I, I wasn't really good enough to play. I, I kind of joined. I kind of. Developed a little late, so it was. Um, Do you think that the being a three-sport athlete, I think it did, knowing you, um, and knowing your history, and me myself being a multiple-sport uh, athlete. Do you think yeah. it helped you with your hockey in the end that you were able to? Um, 
play all the sports. And why? Why, Kevin? Yeah, I just think of it in the hand-eye, all the different ways you play. You know, when you play hockey and just play hockey, it's just kind of, you know, one dimension you go play. And, you know, it's fine. I guess not. Everybody has to do it now. But back then, I thought just by switching sports and being able to play and using different muscles and playing different games and just, you know, doing different things, like competing with different players. You know, it doesn't always, like hockey, was, you know, we had to compete. Baseball, you had to be different, you know. But football, I had to compete. Everything was different, you know. So, I think it was – Anything that, that was, really – anything that you can, like, specifically say transitions physically? I, I, I don't know if, like, anything, like, you know, with the hockey stuff, it's, you know – I think I I just think competition like any type of competition like for me like a hockey competition is good but you know baseball was totally different because it's you know it wasn't a physical game but you had to be cranked up you had to be ready to, you know be focused you know it's just football is all physical so it's kind of you know there's all the three different what position did you play in football Kevin I was more football too so so I play you I don't know this Kevin Stevens was an absolute stud. Uh, in football, <laughs> hockey, and baseball. Could have went pro in all three sports. All right, so now you turn pro. You do the Olympic team. We don't have stats for that. How'd you do stats-wise on the Olympic team? Yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah, we played. How many games, played, really? Uh, I think we played uh, 40? 40, 50 games, yeah. Like 40 or 50, maybe, just because of, um, you know, we played a lot of the college teams, which we killed, and then we played some pro games, which were pretty good. Then, you know, then the Olympics were in Did Calgary you beat any of the pro playing. teams, Kev? Sorry to interrupt you, but that's beat, my job, yeah, brother. I I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure we beat any of them. I think I think we go a couple of them were like 3 2, 2 1. A lot, a lot of close games. I think they're more of their exhibition games. For any of them so, get physical? Not, any fights? Some of them did. Some did, but. Tell us about it. But, well, the any memories? Part, I, like, I, remember, I remember when we played Detroit when I was in Probert was there, you know, and he was kind of. <laughs> you know, we're kind of taking, you know, you kind of take it easy. It was, you know, you kind of take it easy when he's out there, you know, it's kind of, but he's, um, you know, you just kind of let him sleep, you let him sleep a little bit, but I, I just, I don't well, remember who's bad. I remember. Hey, I got a quick story for you. I got a hilarious story. Uh, Andy Ferentz caught him with his head down right in front of the, uh, it was me. It was when we, me and you and Bergey and uh, a bunch of boys were hanging out a lot. So, and, um, you and Bergeron grabbed him when he caught probably with his head down, he cleaned his clock. Probably got up, didn't even really do it. I he I think he was a little embarrassed, really. He 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 yeah, was like uh he was you know at that point time where he was just you know everybody even said it like just like he's a great guy too, just leave him alone like you know let him do what he wants yeah. to do like you know he's not gonna he's not putting six home on us if we don't even touch him. So anyways, he yeah, killed yeah, yeah. him, killed him, killed him in front of the bench, <laughs> and I was on the ice, and you yeah. and Kevin, you and Mark Bergeron both jumped up. And we're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You fucking don't <laughs> ever do that again. Oh, it's yeah. hilarious. You know, and, yeah, you know, you don't wake a sleeping animal. You know that feeling. Let him sleep, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Crack, yeah. Wake him up, fuck. He's, he's on the warpath, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then he, you get everyone else going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got to hang out with them out in L.A. Uh, one summer. Uh, we became pretty close. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So listen, let's talk about your first year with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins because um I don't understand what's going on here, right? Because you, you you're in 1987. You're after you got a five year career with including the Olympics. You got 1987. You got yeah. the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, did you join the team after the Olympics? Yeah, I came in after the Olympics and 
I played pretty well. I think I had six or seven goals maybe in 17, 18 games, I think, when I came back. But then um, – No, the I know you had 16 games. You had 16 games. You had five goals, two assists, seven points, okay. and you had eight pims, and you were minus six. The team didn't make the playoffs. Um, yeah. yeah but what's the story the next year, though? I don't I, – I understand you're joining the team after the Olympics. But then the, your, your second year, which is, a, is your real rookie season, you, you got 24 games and you got good numbers. You got 24 games, 12 goals, three assists uh, for 15 points yeah. and 19 pims. Um, but you're a minus eight. Um, uh, did they want you to work minus, in your defensive game or what? No, I was minus a lot my career. <laughs> I know, but you were you, – I mean, that doesn't – when you're a first-line guy, you, you are minus because you, you're, you're trying to get goals yeah. a lot. So you're like – you're stuck yeah. behind the goal line and then they score. Like you're the last guy back yeah, yeah. in this scoring, yeah, so I don't think your plus yeah. minus means as much as defensemen's or sentiments personally. But you got your first yeah. full year. Why did you get sent down? Who sent you down? And why did they say they were sending you down? Yeah, you know what happened was um, we changed management. Then uh, Tony Esposito just became the general manager the next that year. I came in, and uh, Gene Newback, I think, was the coach. So it was a whole different, whole different regime that I was that drafted me and was watching me. It was a whole different thing. I came in. I had a bad camp. I didn't have a good camp. I didn't play that why? camp. Why? I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. I just I had a bad couple of weeks. I was okay, but I wasn't. You know. I wasn't, Did you train hard or were you partying? Yeah, I, 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 I might have took it for granted that I was going to be on the team. You know. I don't okay, good answer. Not. Yeah, being honest. It's yeah. a great interview so far. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think my. I think tell us team, about your time. Yeah. Tell us about your time in the IHL. Huh? You must have been like, "What the fuck is this fruitcake?" Muskegon was crazy. It was a what a town that was. Like it was like one of those towns where yeah, I think I was making sixty thousand dollars. I think I was the highest, the highest paid guy living it. I I used to cash. I used to get a check for like twenty two hundred dollars to try to cash it. I couldn't cash anywhere in that whole town. I thought it was a millionaire, Billy, making fucking twenty two hundred every two weeks. But it was kind of what it was. It was uh, it was like a paper mill town. It was fucking, it was terrible. It stunk like paper all the time. It was cold. It was What's windy. paper smell like? Like like real paper? Like when you smell a uh, fresh sheet? Yeah, it smells like it's, it's got So I played in Sioux. I played in Sioux City, and um, it smelled. Um, yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you what it smelled like because I, I got out of there after six games. That's how bad the, yeah. the city smelled. Yeah, it was bad. This place was the same place. Yeah, isn't that weird though? Hey, isn't that weird? You grow up and growing up uh, in like in the 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 countryside, kind of like out in Pembroke and yeah. Whitman and and whatever. And then you know you like you like it's it's a huge culture shock. Yeah, I was living I was living uh, in this daycare. And there was like snot rags everywhere, and I'm like, I'm like, and and, yeah. if, and there was a train going through my backyard, and the whole city smelled like shit. And I'm like, this is not, yeah. I'm not staying here. Yeah. Anyways. I was living, when I was in Muskegon. <laughs> I was living in like an army barracks. I was paying nine dollars a day. I was paying nine dollars a day for this little this little place because I was I was getting called up and down a lot. I was up and down that year like five times. So. What do you mean you played nine paid nine dollars a day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this little army <laughs> barracks, like the way, the way I totally, I was like, yeah. What do you I mean it's an army barracks? It's a, it used to be an army barracks? Yeah, it used to be an army barracks. These little houses, you know? And then, uh. <laughs> they all yeah. look the same, you yeah, mean? Yeah. They're all exactly the same. Yeah, all the same, yeah. So all it's not a room, it's a house. You got a house for nine yeah, bucks? Yeah, a little house, a little house, though. Nine bucks a day, though. Think that, think about that. That's insane! 
Where's Muskegon, Michigan? <laughs> yeah, Muskegon, Michigan, yeah. Really, uh, really. Like, I think they had a team yeah, in, like, the old Central League that was, like, yeah, yeah I, I think now my they, friend played against They have them. a team in the USPHL right now, I think. They play in that same rink that I played in. It was a dump. Oh, they do have a team, huh? Well, you had good numbers. Yeah, you had 40, 40, listen, let me tell you your numbers. So this is how you get out of there. You had 45 games. You had 24 goals, 41 assists, and 65 points in 113 PIMS. So were you fighting, Kev? Because you had yeah, 130. You had to at least, yeah, what, did you have five to ten majors? Yeah, I fought. I remember I fought one kid three times in one game. Yeah, it was, um, Ooh, yeah, that? That was crazy. That was David Maley. I, I'm friends with him now. He, he was playing in Jersey. Remember Maley? Playing no, Jersey. No, I've never even guy. heard of him. Yeah, I never, Who's Jersey. the toughest guy you ever fought, Kevin? Toughest guy I ever fought? I don't know. Who could it be? Besides like your Dan, wife. Hannah, besides Suzanne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's beautiful, though. But She's the yeah, toughest person you ever fought. But the toughest guy you ever fought. <laughs> Yeah, probably Shanahan or Danico. So I didn't have to fight the top. I had to fight the guys they played against, you know. So it was you good. had a good fight, fight when I was in Pittsburgh with you. You had you fought some guy, um, a defenseman behind the net. You were like a bear. Yeah. I was like, oh, we can yeah, still probably, go. You were yeah, 35. Try to fight. Try to fight the guys that I could fucking handle. You know, not these guys, these animals. You got to fight. I didn't. I didn't want to fight those animals. You know. Yeah. Well, you could have beat everyone up, dude. You're such a great guy and a great athlete. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how a guy got a got it all like you, but whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I, w- w- let's move on to um 1989, 1990. Your first real full season, no playing around. Did, what changed that you were like yeah. a, a full time guy? Did Craig Patrick come in? Did Scotty Bowman come in? Yeah. Did you did you buckle down I, and stop stop going out so much, train hard? Yeah, or what, I, what? yeah I think it was a little bit of all of that. You know, kind of realizing what what it was to be like a pro. How you how you have to be different and how you have to be ready to go all the time. Who you know, helped you I, out with that the most for your first few years? And I think it was more of um, when I was first there. It was like, guy, my like your dad, your dad, your uncle, your yeah, college, dad your teammate. My, yeah, yeah, I was like, my dad helped a lot, but he was, but yeah, I had, the guys I hung around with Johnny Cullen and Mark Recky, and those are my those were two of my best friends. So we kind of hung a lot, a lot together, and you know, those we kind of pushed each other. Then like guys came and. And help help yeah you know, like Paul Coffey was a big way. He helped he helped a lot. Of them. Just just different ways. Different guys came in. Craig Panzer came in and turned the, the atmosphere of the team around. You know, so it was just. Well, how did he do that, everything. Kevin? How did he? What, what, really well, how did you notice it? And how did he do it? Yeah, I think just be by being a good guy and, and, and kind of having trust in us and and not like you know some of these guys are drill sergeants. Other guys just you know you guys got they. they it was how we played. If we played well and we won, then, you know, things are going to – and I think he gained that confidence. Out. He built a good team. You know, he built that, – that helps more than anything, right, having players that can play. And then uh, then we kind of just went from there. But it was um, – yeah, he, Craig was a big part of it too. How did you become such good friends with uh, Mark Recky and Johnny Cullen? Like, was it – did you get roomed with one of them? Uh, I yeah, used to watch yeah, Johnny uh, Cullen at yeah. Boston University. Man, was he good. I just didn't like how he didn't tape his stick the whole way. <laughs> He would like tape it from the heel to like halfway. I'm like, it drove me yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, guy was great. What a great hockey a great player. player. Shout out to uh, Johnny Cullen uh, and Mark Recky. I love them guys. Yeah, yeah, they were good. Cullen was great. Rex, I played a little bit in the minors with Rex, and I kind of knew him there. He was in my seat when I was there too. So, and then uh, in Cullen, yeah, I, I think Recky's like the first overall scorer, or or uh, my coach, uh, 
my coach, John Oliver in Boise, I ended up uh, living with him and becoming like really good friends with him. And, and uh, yeah. one night he, we, he, he didn't drink ever really. And I, I think he might've had like yeah. a glass or two of wine and he's like, tips, tips, come here. And he pulls me into his office in his house. Right. And I'm like, I live in the basement. right? <laughs> so I go in his office and whips out the British Columbia junior hockey league top all time scorers. And I think like, it was like Mark Recchi, then John Oliver or something like that. I was like, he's like, he's like, yeah, see, look at that. Me and Recchi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and yeah. everybody who talks uh, or got, has gone to play with Mark Recchi or watched him play hockey has the uh, utmost uh, respect uh, uh, to yeah, him. And, uh, I remember yeah. I met you and him at the Liberty Hotel one night for a beer. And um, I brought a friend oh, yeah, who's yeah. Into it, uh, uh, my friend Kirk Anna, yeah. R.I.P. Kirk Anna. And he, um, yeah. he, he left there going like, he's like, that's the best thing, like, to be friends with you right now that I got to just go have beers with them guys. It really, uh, really yeah. was a big moment for him in his life and, um, and me too, with this to be, be remaining friends with you and Rex and whatever. Rex, so, Rex, so listen, guy. was the, the, the team wasn't that good though, right? The first year, you didn't make I'll the playoffs. Year, I, think we got beat, I think we got beat the last year by Buffalo. Well, it was the last day of the year we got beat out of the playoffs, I think. Oh really? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, in I think I remember we needed a, we needed a tie game. I think Uwe Krupp scored in overtime to beat us. We just needed a tie. Who did? Uwe Krupp, the big defenseman from Buffalo. Uwe Krupp. Krupp. Yeah, I thought he said Louis. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Yeah. yeah I think we, he might have been the yeah, first yeah. German ever hockey player, to be honest with you. Yeah, he might have been. Yeah, he's a big guy. Oh, one of them, anyways. Michael Renberg yeah, was dropped. right there, but Uwe Krupp was before him, right? Yeah, yeah then, then we had Marco Sturm, you know, so there was Germany yeah, started yeah, to kick yeah. in the place. I went to Germany, um, actually, with uh, Cardigan Mullen School in eighth grade. We went to Germany and Finland, oh, and yeah. um, I got to play in some tournaments over there. It was pretty amazing. Listen, so yeah, your first yeah. your first year, you, just, you don't make the playoffs. You almost get 30 goals. You got 29. Um, you're sitting there saying to yourself, oh, okay, I got 30. I could get 50. I could get 100. I could get... What are you saying to yourself after yeah. you get 29 goals? You must have been feeling good about that season. Yeah. Yeah, I felt good about. It. I, I, you know, I didn't know where it could go, but basically, I knew. I, I, I knew in Pittsburgh, I'd be putting opportunities to score. I think that's, a, you know, we all know the biggest thing is you got. How did you know you that, Kevin? Yeah, you got to have a chance because I, I play. Well, like, you know, I, yeah, I just know. I know if, if you get, if you're playing on the power play and you're playing with good centermen and you're playing with, you know, getting put in position, you better score. You know, now is Mario gonna... is Mario on that team and is Mario a big part of that team? And tell us about. Yeah. Your, your your interaction with him because um you're the only guy in the history of the NHL who became best friends with Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. So how how how, how do these guys love yeah. you like that? Tell us about <laughs> your relationship with Mario uh, when you go, when you get Mario there or whatever. Uh, yeah, Mario. You know, Mario. You know, Mario. Mario was a quiet type of guy, but you know, he, he was a guy's guy. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to win. Yeah, I think uh, he was the, he was the leader of everything, and uh, you know, we kind of tugged in behind. But he he's a good guy. You know, it's just. I guess as you win games and you start to get better, I think that just builds that so that much more friendship. Like when you be in those, get in those positions, and you, and you count on each other to do good things. You know, really. That's and then and you can look to the other guy, you know, to help you and look. You know, I think and then you go out at night and you become play. You know, that's how it all happens, right? It all happens because you know we're teammates. You start winning, everybody. You know, it, it's just one thing leads to another, and you, then you know we're all best friends and we're trying to do one thing. It's one games, you know. Just Who's stop. the best player you ever played with um, besides Mario? Um, besides Mario, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was probably like, yeah, I was in his prime, so, you know. 
Like, I think Trottier was one of the best players ever, but he was out of his prime when I played with him. I loved him, and he was great. But, you know, obviously when Yager was in his prime, Gretz was, you know, Gretz, Gretz if, you know, if he's in his prime, he's the best. So, it's just a matter of all those, you know, when they're in their prime, when they're not. But, you know, the best player that Mario was the best player I played with because he was, he was in his age, he was in his prime, you know. Who's the best player of all time? Uh... I don't know. I, I you know, I kind of, I think it's you know, I, you know, I think, well, yeah, you can sit and say, Bob, I'm going to say forward wise, you know, I'm talking about forwards or points and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's either Gretz or Mario, but you know, Gretz getting 212 points and longevity means something too. I think, I think, I think Mario is probably the more talented player, but he couldn't stay healthy. Right. Gretz had a long career with a lot of points and I don't know one's going to come near him, you know? Hold on one second, Kevin. What? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Hey, who's uh? All right, listen. Yeah. Um. Anyways, it was not important. Um. Listen. So, trot. You got Trottier. You got Mario. Yeah. You got Gretzky. I think a lot of New York Islander fans will be happy to hear about Brian Trottier because uh, I think throughout the '80s and throughout how the game has changed a little bit, the first high flying teams were the New York Islanders. Um. With Mike yeah. Bossy, yeah. um, he really transitioned yeah. uh, with the slap shots and stuff like that. I mean, it, the game started to change. The stick started to get better. The skate started to get yeah. better, and that's where you started to see um, people like. Because I mean, up until then, they, some of these guys couldn't skate. But when, by the time you got to the NHL, it was pretty much everybody had the right equipment. I mean, there were still wooden sticks, yeah. but they, you could still yeah. shoot at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you could. Yeah, things the wooden sticks were fine. Everybody, the equipment was good though. Everything. Was What's the hottest you ever shot the puck? I don't know. I think I did. I did one on the All Star game. I think I did like ninety eight in one of those uh, shooting wow. those things. I never, I never did it. With the that, wooden stick. Kinda, yeah, the wooden stick. The, the, the other stick so much better, but the wooden stick. You know, you know, you can wooden stick. You get four out of a dozen that are any good. After that, you gotta send them all back. It's like you know. You know, a thousand sticks and only three of them were working. So, you know, it, it, it's just, the consistency in the wooden stick was tough, you know? You know okay. The good, thing about that one, the good thing about the one-piece stick, they're all the same, right? So, you know, you know and the consistency with the wood, you know, if you got 12, you, if you had four that were the same, was a good, you know, that's a good amount, you know? Listen, let's move on. Now, you're with the – how many years now are you with the uh, Penguins? So, you – you built that team with Mario and them guys. I think that's how you guys all became such good friends is you didn't make it the first year. You didn't have a good team. You were starting fresh yeah. with all this young talent. What was the first year yeah. you won the Stanley Cup? Was it one, 1991, Kevin? Uh, 91, yeah. 91, we won the first one. And, um, Can you tell us about winning yeah, the first Stanley Cup? Yeah, I won a cup. It was, you know, it's, I think it's just the grind of going through and winning and all the ups and downs, all the, you know. Just the just the way you know the fans and the city and everybody gets involved. It's, it's, you had twenty four. Hey, listen, I gotta tell everybody this. You had twenty four games played. You had thirty three points, seventeen goals, and sixteen assists, and fifty three pims. How come you did? Did you get the MVP of the, the Stanley Cup, or did Mario get it? Oh, Mario got it. I think. What did he have for points? Because you had you had uh, nine more points per game. That's unheard of. Yeah, I think. I think he had 42, maybe, you know? He had an outrageous playoff. He was like, yeah, that first one we had, 42 points in like 23. My mother whatever. wants to say hello, Kevin. She wants to say hello. 
Kevin. Can you hear him? Kevin, how are you? Kevin. How are you? He's because he's on the phone. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, I'm not a, oh. Hi, how are you, Mr. Tibbetts? How are you? He says, how are you? I've been better. <laughs> She's been better. Get out of here, Ma. Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> listen, let's talk about let's talk about going back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Hey, Kevin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I Yeah. Are you on a porch? He can do just as good a job if he doesn't yell. Yeah. Yeah, she's always had a problem with my uh, my my noise levels. But um, listen, tell us about winning two Stanley Cups back to back. Are yeah. you the first team to go uh, back to back since the eighties? I mean, since the Oilers. What was that? 84, 85, and then you guys back to back. I think we were, I think we were the first team. You know, ninety one, ninety two. But um, yeah, it was you know, it's just that good players, good teams. It was you know, it was so much fun. Like I said. It's just, it's just, you know, knowing that you can win every night, knowing you can win every game, knowing you have players next year that you can count off every game. Everybody, you know, it wasn't just the top players. It was the role players. Everybody felt a part of it, you know, because, you know, you can't win without them, I'll tell you that much. You know, we we got to score goals, but, it's, you know, those role guys. Well, if you're 6'3", 230 pounds, and you got a knee bend and a stride like you, you're going to put up a hunt. What do you have? So, listen, I got to tell people this because I don't think a lot of people know this. Your playoff statistics, okay? So, after Mario Lemieux, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people I know this because I've heard this from um, from Mario himself. After Mario Lemieux, you were the second or you were the most important person on that team. Um, you had 103 games played in the playoffs. You won two Stanley Cups. You had 106 points. Okay, let me say that again. You won two Stanley Cups back to back. You're 6'3", 230, <laughs> all right? 103 yeah. games, you had 46 goals and 66 for 106 points, 170 PIMs, bro. All right, so the only other person that I can say like 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 that is like Mario, Joe Sackick's got good playoff numbers. Um, I just I, – what what made you step it up in the playoffs? Was it the discipline uh, of staying uh, in every night and knowing that how important it was? I don't know. Hey, I'm not I'm not really sure. Like back then, it was you know this one. It was just you know it's just to try, just you want to do well. You know, I don't know. I just, what did you get I, your body? Re how did you get your body ready to do that, though, Kev? Do you have any tricks yeah, or any tricks on the tree? No, I, no, I don't know. I just I rode the bike a lot. You know, I, I tried to. Sleep yeah, you ride that. the bike like I've never seen anyone ride the bike like you. Actually, yeah, I, I, congratulations I on your hole in one, by the way. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. It just was. That's a miracle. That's a miracle in itself, there, bud. But, um, Listen, what's it like to sc sc score 106 points in 103 playoff games and be the best left wing of all time in America? <laughs> I don't know about that. No, you are. If I, if, I, I would say Madonna, first line, USA. Madonna, um, Madonna, you, and Mullen. <laughs> that's good. Pretty good, huh? Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good, but it's. Um, yeah, it was all good. It was, it was good. You just, you know, you just went and played and tried to, you wanted to win so bad and you knew you could win. And I think it's, you know, you have a chance to win all the time, you know, and that's the biggest with thing. That line, that well, out. with Mario in your lineup, um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Listen, yeah. I want, I always talk about, uh, I tell people this, um, we had dinner one night at Morton's and you said to me, um, I may never get it. I may be better than Robert Lang right now. And you said I was, 
Uh, did you think I was better than Robert Lang? I know, I, you know, you, you, the, you, the, the thing I was trying to stress you, you were better than him, but it was just about a matter of, you know, patience, right? Like this game, this game's not, hockey's not always fair. You know, it's not always, it's not always, doesn't always work out the way you want it to be, but you got to What do you mean by that? Patience. It's not always there. Hockey so if some guy's making five million, and you're making uh, you know a million or five hundred thousand, the five million guys are gonna get a lot more chances than the five hundred thousand dollar guys. So that's and that's what I mean about pay. I think Robert Lang was making more money, and you know it's just and it's it's just oh he's definitely he's making more money. <laughs> yeah, well, he's making a lot of money. Then. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, but you know it's just it's, it's just about you know you know how the game is. It's not always fair. It's not always the way it should be, but. You know, you got to, those are the situations, how you handle them is the biggest thing, right? How you handle those situations because, you know, they're not always fair. And you got to go home and sleep on that night. That's tough, you know? Yeah, it's not easy. But uh, I wanted to say your honesty that night and, and the support that you gave me at that dinner, it uh, it allowed yeah. me to sign with three other NHL teams. And uh, it wasn't for a lack of um, me being any good. It was Gary Bettman banned me for no reason, that piece of shit. Anyways, listen. I want to talk about your career totals, all right? Because you're not in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I'm going to start a, a petition um, someday, it's very soon, if you're not in the Hall of Fame within the next few years. You got a – you got – all right, listen, Kevin. You got 874 games played, okay? You got 329 goals, 397 assists, but 726 points and 1,470 penalty minutes, Kevin. Let me say that one. And then they go to the playoffs. 103 games, 46 goals, 60 assists for 106 points and 170 penalty minutes. One time more. Hold on. 874 games. He has 329 goals, 397 assists, and 726 points. It's 1470 in PEMS. 1470, all right? I know guys, all right? Listen, I'm just going to say it right now. You're the best left wing to ever play coming out of the United States. We could make arguments for some Canadian guys, but when they term the when they when they came up with the term power forward, the two people they used to talk about were you and Cam Neely. Okay, so how do you feel about that? Like that that that, that, that you created a position, uh, a term. Like if you looked up power forward in the dictionary, your face would be there. How do you feel? Yeah, and did you do that on purpose? No, I was just gonna say, you know, I feel like I just played. It kind of that kind of became, you know, the 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 name and the style because that's just the only way I know how to play. But I didn't really, you know, it wasn't my game was pretty much straight ahead. And you know, like I said, I try to get the puck to people that can get it, give it back to me, and try to do little things and get to the nets. And the one thing I could do, I could score goals. You know, and that was uh, like the you year know, you I, had you know, 120. Like the year you played 80 games, and you had uh. In 1991-92, you had 80 games. You had 54 goals, 69 assists for 123 points and 254 <laughs> penalty minutes. That's uh, unbelievable. God. And you were a plus that season, Kev. <laughs> yeah, I know. You were plus eight. I, don't I hope you're a plus when you score 123 points. I don't think I was ever plus in my life. That's, I, never, oh, you were. I don't think I ever, killed, point, the, I don't think I ever killed the penalty, but... <laughs> Your highest uh, plus was uh, plus 17. Yeah, but you were yeah, minus 27 one year. <laughs> yeah, I had, some, I had some minus problems. <laughs> Listen, let's wrap this up talking about your family. 
Life after hockey. Yeah. I know you got an un. I know you got an unbelievable family. I know. Uh, I know you got a, a newborn that you, is about uh, yeah. three or four years old now. Can you tell us about but, that? Fine. And let's yeah. let's wrap it up with Lukey signing with the Penguins and uh, Ryan yeah. and Riley. Yeah, yeah. I got a little guy's five. He's a good little boy, but that's you know, that's a lot of work, Willie. I'm 55 years old. You know how that is. But um, yeah, he's awesome and. Yeah, my older kids are great. Like I said, uh, yeah, Lukey, Luke shout Donaldson. out to Lukey. Signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's a Yale graduate. Uh, big, strong, yeah. big, tall, strong kid. And uh, he's gonna probably pot about thirty someday, maybe forty. No? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, but you know what? He, he gets a good opportunity there in Pittsburgh, so I'm happy for him. He'll get a chance to to go there and play and just kind of relax and play and see how it goes. And now it's you know, taking like just how we did. We style. You're gonna go in there and play hard, do little things and. See what happens. And Ryan's a first freshman down there at Yale, so he's getting cranked up this time. Shout out to bit. Ryan. Yeah. Shout out, Ryan, guys. I haven't play. talked to you at all. We're going to get you guys on the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, they like, they listen to you. And hey, then, how's, then, how's Kylie and how is Suzanne doing? Kylie. Kylie's great. Kylie's uh, just got a job. So we're moving up to New York City next week. She's is she really? Where she go? You know yeah. where? Manhattan? She's got a yeah. yeah, she's right in Manhattan. Yeah. So she's up. Uh, She's doing good. She got a great job. She, you know, graduated at Union. She went four years at Union, and she got a good job. So she's going to live with two of her girlfriends from Duxbury. They have jobs there. So that's they'll have fun there. That'll be great. And Shazan's good. She's working in real estate. She's doing good stuff. She's, you know, she's done a great job with the boys. Please tell her I said hello, brother. Yeah. Yeah. She always talks about it. She had, you know, we had you over there a few times. It's, you know, you were, you were always welcome in the house, Billy. So that's, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, you were good to me. You were good to me. You really pulled yeah. me under your umbrella, and uh, I'll I'll be forever grateful. And uh, I lived my dream by uh, – I want to tell one story, and I'm, uh. I'm trying not to cry and be emotional. Then I'm going to have to hang up because it's going <laughs> to kill me to tell this story. I was waiting in the lobby. The very first game that I was up there, I was on the road, and um, I used to go to the rink early. I was, um, I was the most uh, determined and the most uh, ready to play every single game of my career. And um, I was sitting in the lobby, and who comes down is uh, on the elevator and sees me sitting there waiting for a yellow cab is uh, Kevin Stevens and uh, Mario Lemieux taking a limo, which is a Lincoln Town car if, you, if you're a business guy like these guys. And uh, they had me ride bitch, um, and it became a thing every <laughs> single game that um, yeah. they, inv- they invited me to ride to the rink with them because they went over to the rink early on the road. too. So, so uh, that was, like, probably the biggest thrill Good of my stuff. life is to – to, to uh, sit between you two big gorillas in the back seat. <laughs> Kevin, I love you, dude. And, and thank you for coming on my show. And uh, I think this is uh, one of the best interviews I ever did. And we have so much more to talk about. I'd love to have you back on the show and try to talk a little bit yeah. about more about the game. Yeah, no problem. I love it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, kid. All right. NHL Hall of Famer, Kevin Stevens. There he is. Big time is showtime and action. Really, boy. So we got you on the phone. Uh, how you doing today, Will Francis? Anaheim draft. I'm doing good. Round. It's a beautiful day in Minnesota. Sunday. All glory and praise for the big man upstairs today on Sunday. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. And um, I'm really uh, I'm really proud that um, that I, I, I kind of um, – you know, have been um, praising God so much, and it caught on with um, um, some of my 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 peeps, and uh, it's really humbling. Um, listen, I want to um, I want to focus on you though, and I'm gonna try to shut my mouth. Uh, it's tough for me to do sometimes, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna try to do my best. 
I'd like you to uh, tell us what happened. Um, so we, I think we left off with your diagnosis of cancer. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of background, and then when I, I'd like you to take it from there. Willie Francis is a Minnesota kid. Um, he's uh, he's a six foot five, two hundred ten pound animal. Um, he throws his hands like uh, you know, like he, he, like a, like an NHL guy already. Uh, really, um, he skates like an NHL guy already. Um, he thinks the game like an NHL guy. I've got nothing but um, respect for Willie Francis and um, the, the, all the reports that I'm getting from my friends that are scouts and still in the game um, at the highest levels uh, talking about Willie Francis and, um, and saying it's just you're a t total stud and, a, and an awesome, awesome kid. And um, they say the awesome kid, um, you know, uh, every time, every time. They don't, they don't say you're a good player without saying what a great kid you are. So uh, tell us what about your story, Willie, please, when you got diagnosed with cancer after, I think you were 18 years old? Yeah, I was 19 at the time. Uh, so I guess wherever we left off last time, I was uh, up at my cabin with some family in northern Minnesota and just not feeling the best. A couple weeks of uh, antibiotics was treated for some tonsillitis and the sore throat went away, but... I'm still feeling tired all the time and I'm barely eating, which is not like me at all. Like you said, I'm six foot five, 210 pounds. Like a guy like me always has to be eating to keep that weight up. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm just not feeling the best. <laughs> yeah, not feeling the best. And finally going to the hospital to get a uh, mono test. And um, this was right in March 13th, I think, right when kind of the coronavirus spread started to hit the U.S. as well. So the people up there were all freaked out and, uh, Did you think you had Corona? Uh, I really didn't at all, just because I was I was up in Duluth, which is just a it's a smaller city um, up in northern Minnesota too, and I was thinking like there's all this crazy stuff going on in Italy and China at the time. I'm like, yeah, it had, it's no way it's made it up this way yet. Like I haven't I haven't been down to Minneapolis or St. Paul where it would make sense. Maybe uh, you know someone from my community had to travel to that side of the earth for work or whatever it is or a trip and maybe they brought it back but at, at the time no I didn't really think so at all and did you, so the were doctor there any, in, Willie I want to ask you were there any cases in your city I mean did you know anyone that had it or has it uh there there has been but at that time no at that time it, it didn't really reach Minnesota yet it was still early March um but since but since then yeah obviously you probably know people as well in your area, but it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's kind of spread a little bit around. Yeah, but uh, my family stayed safe, and a lot of people in my but like I, I know some college buddies who have gotten it just from you know being out at the bars or out partying, something crazy like that. But uh, yeah, so I never I never was under the impression that I was going to have it. Um, but yeah, so the doctor and nurse came into the room I was in, full scrubs, face shield, mask, gloves. I'm like, these people came in in hazmat suits, like. Yeah, like, you, like, like you had like freaked out. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's how, they, that's how they had to treat it, right? Because we still, that's when we were super still uneducated on the whole uh, whole oh. front behind it. Um, and yeah, so they, they drew a blood lab from me. They gave me a coronavirus test, they gave me a flu test and a strep test, and it all came back negative. And then we were waiting there for probably a good half hour, waiting for that uh, blood count kind of test to come back. And all of a sudden the doctor came in in his street clothes. He was just wearing like a nice button up shirt and some jeans or khakis. And I was kind of like, I gave him a second, like kind of like a 
in like the second take, I'm like, this guy just came in full hazmat suit, and now he's wearing nothing, and he's in his street clothes. I'm like, something, something's yeah, either you just really chills, not right bro. here. Yeah, I'm like, something's either really not going right here, or, or uh, hopefully he just tells us exactly what's going on. So then he started kind of rambling. He's like, you know, we gave you these tests, blah, blah, blah. You're like, and get to the I'm fucking kinda, point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm like, look, dude, like, I'm 19 years old. I'm a pretty mentally tough kid. Like, like, just tell me what's going on here. He's like, oh, well, your white blood cell count's reading at 178,000, like, white blood cells per microliter. I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's an everyday guy. What does that mean? <laughs> like, I'm no doctor. He's like, well, let's just say normal is 10,000. And I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm just like, still confused i'm like yeah i'm like what does that mean like do i get the power of 18 people here or what's going on <laughs> and uh he's like oh well you know these blood counts like this and the symptoms that you've been feeling like they they all point towards leukemia and i'm just like leukemia i kind of like shake my head a little bit i'm like you gotta run that you gotta run that test again i'm like that, that can't be me like i'm a 19 year old kid i'm healthy i'm working out every day and i'm rehabbing a leg at the same time it's like no like this, this, you don't got the right guy here. He's like, oh well, we we've ran the test twice actually. I was like, oh geez, I'm like, oh, wow. So well, once you where get do we that, go from here? Once he, <laughs> Willie, Willie, once you get that news, what, what are you saying to yourself? Are you, are you, I, immediately, what I'm sitting there saying to myself is, um, is he saying? So I'm thinking, you're thinking in your head, terminal. Like that's the first thing I'd say. Like, is it, am I dying? Yeah, that that's kind of what went through my mind, and I'm just like, I'm like, well, I'm like, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, where do we go from here then? He's like, well, we're gonna give you a couple blood transfusions because you're you're in tough shape right now, and we're gonna get you down to one of the bigger hospitals in Minneapolis, down in an ambulance. So I'm just like, geez. And then after, obviously, I, I had my phone on me and did like quick little research, like on my phone, and I'm just like, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to die here. Like, I'm like, we got some time to get down. And I've been feeling this way now for a month. I'm just like grinding it out. Like any, any hockey player probably would, you know, we play through injuries and different stuff like that. And that's kind of just, that's in our nature. And I've just been grinding this thing out for a month. Um, and from a, being more of a concerned level, I knew I was in good hands being, you know, with how far medicine has come today and being in an ambulance and, going down to a big hospital in Minneapolis, which is connected to the Mayo Clinic, which can be regarded as one of the, uh, one of the best hospitals in the world. Um, I really wasn't crazy concerned at that time. I'd say my initial reaction is kind of just shocked. And then kind of, where do we, where do we go from here? So that's, that's my that next question. Really. In, in that's my next question. Yeah. What, what, what do you do? What do you do? What, 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 what was the next step? For yeah. You? They threw me in a, uh, threw me in an ambulance went four hours down to uh, Minneapolis and I was in the ICU for the next week. Um, and within that week, I think I was brought in there at like a Saturday morning at 2, 2 a.m. And so I was there Saturday, Sunday, and then got thrown right into the, uh, right into the chemo um, regimen there on Monday and just started up treatment. I um, just right away. To, I so gotta ask you now, Willie, I gotta yeah. ask you now about your parents. I mean, Jesus, what, like, what are they, they must be losing it. Yeah, I'd say at first it was definitely very hard and very oh, tough mom, on my mom. Especially. And, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Cause I was with, I was with my dad at the time. 
And so all sure. we can do is all we can do is call her. And then yeah. on top of that, all this corona all this coronavirus stuff is hitting too. So now all these hospitals are going into like uh, safety mode. So for that first, I was in the hospital for the first seven days, um, and then went home, and then kind of had that common chemotherapy infection. So I was back there again for like another twenty, um, and I was only allowed one of my parents in the in my hospital room at all times. Only one of them. So either only my mom's coming or only my dad's coming. That's because they went terrible. into the oh. they went into the they went into the whole protocol. And uh, unreal. Yeah, it was, unreal. It was, it was definitely it was crazy, but. Yeah, and then we found out as once, you know, we were there all day Saturday and all day Sunday, you yep. start talking to all these different doctors who are just specializing in this field as their careers, and they're running their own practicing labs at the University of Minnesota there, and so they're doing all, the, all this kind of research, and the more we find out about it, as unlucky as it is to, you know, get cancer, I was given, or I was diagnosed with one of the uh highest uh highest hearing cancers to date right now in the u.s okay um, so that must have made you feel better then yeah that, that made me feel a lot better you know obviously they still gave me the news they're like this next eight months is going to be tough um just with chemo regimen and that whole sort of thing but once that's over with like this disease is going to be gone and you're going to be cured and not have to worry about it again um, so you're going, so through, so was, you're, uh, you're going through yeah. chemo like a week after or that day yeah, like, like literally I found out on a Friday night. That's when I was at the uh, Grand Marais Hospital, get rushed down. I sit in the ICU for two days, and I start up chemo on that Monday. So over the How weekend. How many days of <laughs> chemo was it? How many, like, straight days? or what? what I, I'm, tell us a little bit about chemotherapy uh, for a 19-year-old stud like yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that first phase was 28 days. I was taking a steroid. <laughs> which is not the muscle Big steroids on. that you want to be taking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. not the muscle steroids that we're trying to get, trying to get jacked off of. Um, uh, oh man! It was uh, kind of like an immunosuppressive one, and uh, yeah, so I had 28 straight days of a high dose steroid that really, uh, really, definitely, I'd say, took its toll. And then um, once that 28 days was up, really, how, what do you mean I, by it took its toll? Willie, Willie, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but th that's my job. What do you mean yeah. by it took its toll? Yeah, I mean, it, you're not feeling too good. There's a lot of nausea, a lot of kind of side effects of uh, of that nature because at the time, like my entire body is filled with these cancer cells, so I have no healthy ones to fight the chemo coming in. It's just killing off everything. And so obviously it's a lot of bed rest, um, a lot of fluids, trying to eat as much as you can, but then on top of that, like you don't what even do you, want to eat what do you, sometimes. What do you, what do you, what do you, so I believe it or not, the stuff that like they they said that your taste buds changed from this stuff too. And so at the time, uh, anything that was seafood was like unreal for me. Like I could eat I could eat a pound or two I love of crab legs. Anyways. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's and, your and, like, favorite? Yeah, I love sushi. Oh, probably sushi. I probably, I I love like uh you know like a good smoked salmon. You can't roll or just say like sushi. That. That's like saying who's your favorite <laughs> hockey player and saying the NHL. <laughs> What's your favorite so, sushi? Probably, probably like a Probably a spicy smoked salmon roll. Okay, okay. Not the, yeah, not the, not the tuna tatar? Hey, uh, bluefin tuna is pretty good, too. 
I like Blue oh, Fin yeah. Tuna. It's just a little spendy. It's a little out of oh, my price yeah. range. I'm more of a full oh, fan guy. Well, you know, when you get a buzz going, you throw the card down, you know. <laughs> You'll have plenty of money in a couple <laughs> of years. Don't worry, kiddo. You're going to be a fucking millionaire that's, soon. That's the that's goal. Cool. That's so cool. listen, listen. You got eight months. You're training. It's, it was eight months ago yep. you were diagnosed correctly, correct? Um, so I was diagnosed in March. Um, so a little, actually we were probably there. So if we go back to March, so one, two, three, four, five, so six, six months ago. Um, yeah, I was diagnosed. And so right, right now, currently, um, I guess. When did you start so yeah, feeling so after that first, So when I started to feel better was probably the middle of, the middle of June is kind of when I'm like feeling like, and they, they told me that this was going to be right around the time. Yeah. So just a couple months after this was right around the time where I was going to get my next bone marrow biopsy and uh, hopefully receive, um, which we did receive that great news of being in remission and cancer free um, on July. Oh, amen to that. 9th. All glory and praise to the big amen man upstairs. Yep. Cure and Willie Francis yes, of cancer. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, um, I guess, I had that 28 day first phase from March to April. I got a week off, was able to build back some strength. And then I went into another two month phase, which was still pretty tough, um, but a lot less intense than what I went through that first month, which was going to be the most that? intense out of the entire season. Uh, just, just the intensity of uh, kind of the, the, the dosage of the drugs that I was given, okay. the chemo. It was a lot of high dose, like high interval, um, chemo that first month because they're just wiping out your system they want to they want to try to get as much as they can out of there and then the next two months I've actually days, since our last interview Willie I've been life. reading up on everything and um I yeah. want to tell you man um you know I I the, the statistics um you know you want to say it's the most curable and this and that I mean I'm saying um I think you beat that cancer you know I, I mean I want to say it's God but I think it's Willie's heart you know which is God too listen how did you yeah. How did you re how did you rebound? How did you just say fuck it? I'm 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 diving back in because I know when we were talking the other day, we talk on the phone now, letting the fans know me and Willie are friends, uh, phone friends. We're gonna we're gonna hook up someday and then get some dinner. But anyways, um, yeah, we were talking yeah. about how you were benching like, you had like a a crazy bench and then it just kept going and that's what you were saying. So what do you what how are you feeling right now? You're strong as a horse, or you or you're not back to fully what what's going on? And uh, tell us about the phone kind of call like a, from Mario. Hey, tell us about the phone call from Mario Lemieux. I can't forget that. I did last time. Yeah, I, I got a, I got a better one too. And, uh, and so yeah, I would say from like a strength percentage standpoint, I bet sure. you I'm running probably. Uh, I would say right now, probably in the range of sixty to seventy percent of what. What my What are you benching? Would be. Um, what are you benching right now? What can I, you get? I, one, I, one can't, I can't. I can't lift weights right now, Billy. Um, they won't let you lift anymore. Not well, just that right way. now. Once I, uh, I'm, I'm in my last phase of chemo. It ends on November second, and then that's kind of when they're going to let me. And you're all working. I've been freaking. You gotta, you, you get out of the truck. I talked to him earlier today. He's like, yeah, I'm just dropping off a machine and and doing this and that. I'm like, oh my god, bro, you gotta take it easy. Yeah, bro. they're not. They're, they're not. They're not letting me lift, so I'm doing a lot of like resistance training and kind of just core strength and body weight. Which is still you. You obviously know it. You've done it. That's that's. I think that's more important for hockey um, later. Later yeah, in life, as absolutely. you get older, 
as you get older, you, you want to build, for everyone out there, how I look at it, you want to build your strength from when you're 13 years old on the weights until you're about 23. Once you hit about 22, 23, you're going to, the, the heavier you go, I was jumping up from like 500 for like 15 reps, like nothing. Then I'm doing 600 pounds and I'm starting to pull muscles and this and that. You don't want to push it too much if you're a hockey player. You're not a bodybuilder. You're not a powerlifter. And you're not um, yeah, uh, you need to focus cross, on that explosion. Yeah, the CrossFit like too is garbage too. So don't do CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not going to help. Get a trainer or call me. Just a, so tell just us, a lot you, of like what are you core doing? flexibility. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Workout-wise? So, yeah, I'm doing a lot of flexibility um, and a lot of core and then a lot of just kind of like resistance training with bands um, and just stuff like that, like BOSU balls, which is also more of a core thing. Yeah, you're training um, yeah, so like Tommy really Brady. On, yeah, a little bit actually. I did, I did uh, kind of like watch some YouTube videos and stuff behind what he's been doing, and it, it's treating him well when he's got as many rings as he does. Um, and uh, yeah, so kind of that stuff right now. And then once November and December hit, that's when I'll start kind of hitting it hard again, like starting to hit the weights, get get a lot of that strength back, just just, just like that brute power and explosion kind of right out of the gate, um, build that back. Uh, and then on top of that, I guess I'm, I'm helping out uh, with my youth association. Just doing some coaching for these little guys right now, Good helping man. them out Give before tryouts. Yep, I got a little brother, and he has uh, he has tryouts today, actually. And Awesome. Good luck sure to Willie. What What's his name? Luke Francis. Little Luke, Luke Francis. Francis. Look and, for Luke Francis yeah. to come. Is he, is he a beast like yourself? He's he's turned into one. He he's really looking up to me, and yeah, I I, I bet you he's on the right path right now. But yeah, he's, uh, he's a little short built. I guess he's he's a three sport athlete too. He's picking up uh, really like baseball, but he couldn't play this last year given the virus. They shut down their association, um, so we threw the ball around in the yard for a good amount. Uh, How yeah, old is he? in the golf a little bit too. He's eleven. He's just a little fifth grade elementary kid. Oh living man! Life Can't wait to see this kid in ten years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so listen, and yeah, so yeah, he, he's a beauty. Who have you talked to hockey-wise? What's going on with the with the college and in in the in the next season and the Anaheim and in rookie camps and and you know I know I guess I think as a draft pick you're not allowed to do certain stuff, but that you can still what I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, so there's obviously kind of like a fine line with college and draft picks, uh, just because you obviously can't take, you can't be given any money um, by the team, otherwise you're going to lose your college eligibility. But yeah, I've had a tremendous amount of support from uh, my my junior teams as well as just other junior coaches who I've played against have reached out to me and like asked me how I'm doing and this type. Anybody of stuff. you want to name? Um, anybody? Anybody you want to talk uh, about, Willie? Our, yeah. Yeah, a few name drafts. Mark Carlson, my coach in Cedar Rapids, he uh, he's been, he communicated with me. He communicated with me all the time, um, and he still is. And they were obviously just given some tough news. Cedar Rapids had a storm that hit there in early uh, August, and unfortunately, they're not going to be playing a season this this year, uh, given the circumstances that hit their rink. They had uh, a few walls go down, and they had a big they, derecho. They, they, but they're done. They're, and they're done. They're not going to be able to play this year because of uh, the uh, damage to the rink. But the they whole can't, year can't go because to of the damage rink? to the rink. No, oh, and sucks. it was something. It was just something money-wise that didn't happen to work oh. out. 
in their favor. But they're going to be back for the next 2021-22 season. They'll be back and better than ever. And they'll probably have a state-of-the-art facility to play in where everybody's going to want to play. Um, so that's going to play to their oh, advantage. Well, too. I mean, yeah, blessings. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, blessings and curses, yep. And, uh, Oops. yeah, a yeah, couple others. Obviously, my, my college, uh, University of Minnesota Luce, has been huge. Um, they've Who's the coach me there? How I'm doing. Who's the coach Scott at Stanley. Minnesota? All right. All right. Scott Sanford, our head coach. And, uh, Shout yeah, out to you, anything, anything, that, yeah, anything that I've needed, they've been there for, whether it's just uh, helping me out with school right now uh, in my last phase of chemo, and as well as the professors, they've been huge in working with me. Um, also, Anaheim's been huge for me. Todd Marchant, the player director, the uh, yeah, oh, is he? He director of play development out there. Yeah, he was, he was a very good player, too. Yeah, he's he was a director of play development too. out there. I always uh, had a lot of respect for him. And, uh, and yeah, and so he's been connecting with me um, all the time, and he's been sending out – we have a little caring bridge site where my mom and dad have given updates about how I'm doing, and he's sent that out to the whole organization up to, that, up to down, whether it's uh, Bob Murray's the GM, just to any of the amateur scouts. Um, they've all been seeing that stuff. And uh, I had hey. – the ca- their captain Ryan Getzlaff reached out to me. Josh no Manson way. reached out He's to me. My, will you yeah. tell him I said hi? I want to meet him someday. Yeah. That kid's awesome. Yeah. He's one of my favorite yeah, players in the last 15 years. I love yeah, that. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite players as well. And and also, I had Scott Niedemeyer reach out to me um, from their program, too. And he's one of my favorite players to watch as well. Just yeah, another way great hockey player. The way, the way that guy could skate. What, what an offense he was. Yeah, um, he was and then, yeah, and then I guess, yeah, one of uh, one of my most surprising phone calls I got, I was sitting in my bed. This was a week or so after I was diagnosed. I finally got home, and I got this phone call from a number I haven't seen before. And I answered the phone, and I said, "Hey, this is this is Will." And all of a sudden, on the other side of the phone, they go, or he goes, "Hey, Will, this is Bobby Orr." And I kind of give it a, I kind of give it a second take. I'm like, "Bobby Orr," I'm like. Uh, That's like getting a call from the Billy greatest, the Kid. The, <laughs> I'm like, uh, you mean the greatest defenseman to ever play <laughs> hockey? And he's like, oh, that was a long time ago. But that was tremendous. And he sent uh, my family and I some very nice memorabilia pictures of when they uh, won the cup versus St. Louis, jumping up in the air um, for that game-winning goal in, uh, in overtime. I think that was – was that 1970, if, if I recall right, Billy, when – when Bobby Orr had the flying through the air goal? I want to say it was 1970, yes. Yes, you're good. You're yeah. good. I got and, the picture uh, actually and, uh, yeah. framed. Yeah, he, we, yeah he, I have it framed. He called me right on Christmas too. morning. Um, I was outside playing a, a football game with my cousins uh, at uh, Christmas morning in Dover, Mass. Uh, my cousin David Sears, um, uh, my aunt Mary and my uncle David and, and David Jr. and Jesse and uh, Valerie and uh, and all the rest of my cousins and over at Dolva and my phone rings and I had a cell phone the size of a beer bottle and it was like um, <laughs> he goes Bill Tibbetts and I go I go yeah here he goes Bob Orr Merry Christmas and I was like holy shit it was like that one uh, to date it was the highlight of my life. Uh, I think, um, yeah. you know, signing an NHL uh, contract and scoring on uh, Brodeur, my first goal was right up there too. But um, uh, meeting you and hearing your story has been very inspirational for me. Um, and and uh, I just want to let you know, man, you're quite a guy. Um, and Thank I want you. you to tell us what, what, what's it, what, 
what's your what's your release date? <laughs> what's your release date? They say that for prison, but uh, what's your uh, what's your wrap up date here? They say that in jail. And what's <laughs> what's your diagnosis ending on chemo date? Yeah, so I guess with the intense side of chemo, um, November second is my last uh, last day where I'll kind of be going, you know, with the hard stuff. After that, I'll have a year or so of what's called maintenance chemo, but it's almost non-noticeable from everyone that I've talked to, and then also the doctors. It's kind of this. Uh, it's almost like taking Google a vitamin every night. Um, and I'm do that for me. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm googling you, G. Yeah, I know you're good. Mask guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah it's basically so once november 2nd hits i'll get another little break there and then i'll have a year or so of uh what they call maintenance chemo um which is you're not wrapping up your sentence next month <laughs> no <laughs> i wish my sentence was ending next month but that's all right just uh you know it's, it's not really going to be something that's going to be noticeable to anybody are you going to be able to play um, next even year me, even me they yeah, so yeah, I'll still be able to play and I'll be able to start training again. It'll it'll be like taking a vitamin every night. If, if that's kind of what they compared it to, except it's just kind of, um, it's still just maintaining uh, like a like a safe blood level so that the cancer's not coming back and screwing things up. Um, but still making sure that you know that I'm going to be staying healthy. Um, and but I think another purpose of it is to make sure it never shows up again. Um, is also part of it but yeah so i'll be able to play uh the next fall 2021 and uh yeah basically just kind of go from there and can you, know. you tell us about the call from mario because um throughout my hockey career everybody is always their first question is what's mario like and i will tell you he's one of the best guys i ever met it, you know uh him and my dad and nick fatillo and, and and some of these other uh gentlemen who helped me throughout my life um, tell us about that phone call, please. Like, I, I, I just, you know, that yeah. can't say enough about yeah. Mario Lemieux. Mario had, uh, he had lymphoma, which is still a blood-related cancer. Um, no, not about the cancer. Tell us about the phone call. No, I know, I know. That's kind of what he said, is that he called me oh. and he said that, uh, and it, we were kind of talking about that side of things. He was saying, like, oh, he, how he oh. had a radiation treatment, not a chemotherapy treatment, and that he said like he's like you're gonna be okay and you're gonna be cured and and then i kind of did some research too and mario has a lot of um uh kind of like he has a cancer research center out in pittsburgh that is doing a lot of research behind leukemias and lymphomas as well um and so that kind of that side of things is what we uh kind of talked about and then i also did the research behind it um and he said you know it's going to be tough um he went through a radiation treatment and then yeah, I just said, like, keep your head up. If you ever need anything, reach out and kind of have you ever uh, reached out along to the lines of that. You should have reached out to him. Yet. Um, what do you mean? Call him, get, him, get some sticks. <laughs> All right, here we go. One-on-one. <laughs> One-on-one. One on one. Mario Lemieux in his prime. You in your prime. Stanley Cup Finals, game seven, overtime. One on, there's a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> from the red line back. Who, do you stop him? Can you stop him? Are you good one-on-one? On one? Yep. Yeah. I, what, are you gonna gonna what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm gonna... How are you going to stop him? <laughs> I'm keeping him to the outside, Billy. And and then if he shoots the, the puck from the outside. He's got the whole sheet. Oh. It's, it's just a one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody else on the ice. You're flat-footed. 
I never, I'm never flat-footed, Billy. I'm always intense and ready to go. <laughs> do you stop him? Yes or no? Yep. Oh, check. How do you stop him? I'm going him? the other How way. How do you stop him? How do you stop him? Oh, check. Me and Mario, we're very close in size, Billy. You, you have to remember, him? both are both are You listen up, little youngster. You gap up, you match <laughs> his speed, and you watch his belly button, Willie. <laughs> Tight gap and, and put him in the wall. Match his speed. Keep your eyes on his belly button. Nobody can fake their belly button. Listen, Willie, it's I so, love you. You're gonna be so you're gonna be on this show. Anytime you want to be, all right? Give me a call anytime. <laughs> uh -huh. I, dude, I fucking love you. You do. You reached out to me. I was like, you know, and, and, and one thing I want to say about this show and about, I said it to my, uh, my producer, Ryan Donnelly today, and, um, and Jackie's my other producer. He couldn't make it today. We got two producers. Anyways, listen up here, kids. This is a hockey show. This isn't an NHL show. I'm not a hockey snob. I've never been a hockey snob. I think that's why all the boys out there love me. I love you, Willie. And uh, let's catch up uh, through text tonight or tomorrow or, to or on the phone. Um, and um, I hope I did a good job. You love to talk like I do. So I think I interrupted you a couple of times. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, Billy. It's your show. You get to hop in whenever you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting out too, buddy. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm working at it. And uh, I'm doing my best. And thank you for coming Absolutely. on my show, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Love you, Billy. I love you too, man. I'll talk to you later. Big time is showtime in action. What's up, kiddo? That's <laughs> good to see you, Billy. Finally Always. Catching up. Finally catching yeah. up. You're looking dapper as usual. Oh, Look yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm so fat. Hey, you're looking yeah. good. You're not fat. You're not hey, fat. Hey, so dude. listen, I'm going to cut right to the chase. Robbie Fred was probably my best friend uh, when I played on the uh, London Knights. Uh, him and yes, a guy named were. Brian Appel and uh, Roy Gray and uh, uh, Donnie Margetti was a good guy. A bunch of good guys on that team. All good guys, really. Uh, only a couple donkeys. But um, I just want to ask, <laughs> how are you doing? And um, who got you into hockey, Robbie Fred? Yeah, I know. It's good to see you again, Billy. I, I love you. And just, yeah, just nice seeing your smile again. And, Hey, look at I always had that feeling when you stepped on the ice. I knew that we had a player that just do you ever get that feeling when you're playing with guys that you just were like, wow, this guy's the real deal. And that's how I felt about you. So I just wanted to let you know that. And you know what? You had a lot of skill, but you showed up and just you you meant a lot to me the short time that you were here. Yeah, so, I, I, uh, listen, listen, Robbie. Yeah. I want to. Uh, I want to appreciate. I want to. I, I want to say I, I appreciate um, the kind words. But this interview is about you today. Where did you start yeah. your hockey, and who got you into hockey, and how old were you, Robbie Fred? Yeah, I was obviously young, being a Canadian, Billy, and you know, starting young, and uh, how old? you know, unfortunately, I never met my biological father in that too. So I was raised by a single mom. So I played house league a lot growing up, right? Just because of travel and expense and things like that. Um, but yeah, I played a lot of sports too. Uh, baseball was my sport. You're a great baseball and, player. And you played ball too, and I knew yeah. that. And we, you and I connected in London, and we talked a lot about our ball what days. You could play. I know your positions, but tell the people. Catcher. I was a catcher, but a number four hitter too. I could hit bombs and play third base. You know, you had a bomb for a too, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. So you know that's how, that's how. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't hit the net, but that's okay. (laughs) So now, you're a young kid growing up in Canada. You're playing youth hockey. How old are you when you start to think about, I might have a shot to play in the OHL? Really? uh, No, I I never never actually even thought about it, Billy. Uh, I, I was just so embraced in baseball. And then losing my mom to cancer when I was 15, that really disrupted my life, right? It was hard. And I remember being, uh, you know, finally making AAA, I think, in Bantam or even minor midget, right? And uh, I was in a tournament in Peterborough when my mom was sick and I was angry. I was, I was big. I was physical. But I was, I was mad at life too, right? And I, I just ran over a ton of guys that tournament in Peterborough. And, uh, you know, there were scouts here, as we do know, you know, uh, at, at the AAA level. And so that's how it kind of started. That's how it started, Billy. They just saw, uh, yeah. Who was the scout? Uh, Bob Jewell uh, was the scout with London at the time. Can I say one thing? Hold on. Don't move around yeah. so much because um, the, uh, the it's going to go, uh, it's not, we, we're going to have trouble speaking just for the rest of the interview. Yeah. Try to stay yeah. still if you can. Listen, yeah, it's hard uh, for me. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. You're fine. Listen, um, so, so so tell us, you're 15 years old, you're at a triple-A tournament, you're running around like a maniac. Did you get into a scrap? No, you, you knew those days, right? It was just, they had the cages on. Yeah, I might have just got into a, you know, a, a little one, but at the end of the day, you know that. Um, yeah, you can fucking grab the cage, twist it. Some of them are bolted on tight, but you know that. It's, oh, uh, I, I didn't fight until my first year. In London, I came to so camp. Bob Brian Smith. You're, you're coming yeah. into the OHL. You're a young kid. You're a big kid. You're angry. You're you're a heavyweight, and you're fighting all these maniacs. I saw you fight Eric Carnes. Um, I and, yeah. and that's when I knew I was like, wow, this kid got balls of steel. I'm like, because if Eric Carnes grabbed me, I would I probably would have turtled. So well, you did you did fight him in the NHL. I did see yeah. that too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, balls of steel right too. But, I almost knocked yeah. him over. You back. did. You did. Yeah. You did amazing, but. No, that, that first year in London, um, you know, um, yeah, it was tough. I came to training camp, but there was some hype, too. Um, in, in my Burlington, my hometown paper, um, Bob Giroux was comparing me to Louis DeBrusque, saying this is the type of player that Fritter is, right? So, you know, to, you know, not being an actual fighter, really having that in me, but then having an article written about you and saying that you got to fill this guy, Louis DeBrus shoes, and we knew that Louis, yeah, probably the toughest in the OHL or the Canadian Hockey League at that time, and he just left the Knights my first year, so it would have been your second yeah, year. Shout out to Louis DeBrus. Uh, absolutely. Love him, love him, love him. I heard nothing but unbelievable things about him the whole time I was there, and um, yeah, the pictures yeah. in the locker room showed it all. I mean, this guy had like, <laughs> the biggest arm yeah. I've ever seen on a hockey player, and he could play pretty yeah. good, too. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't just a one-dimensional player. Like That's yourself, right. listen, you weren't just a one-dimensional player. You were a hard-nosed right winger. Uh, you ended yeah. up playing some minor pro hockey. Um, yeah. Did you uh, – Did you? was that in your in your plans when you were in the OHL? Were you thinking about Canadian college or what, what was going on while I was playing with you? When we were like, what, 18-year-old kids, right? Yeah, just 18 years old. You came in and actually – you know, took my spot. <clears throat> I was playing above the line where I shouldn't have been, right? Excuse me, Billy. I was more of a role player, and, and you were a skilled guy, but obviously brought a lot of toughness, but you got tougher as the years went on, too. We do know that, right? But, um, yeah, I didn't have any expe- – the only expectations I had with the Knights was just try to contribute 
And then once I fell into that role and being an enforcer and fighting Karens and those guys. Don't mean to interrupt you. We may have a time delay. We may have some problems going back and forth. But if I start to talk over you, I apologize, bro. But it's my job to ask you questions. Was it, did you feel like it was part of your role to to look after like American kids that came in? Because you and a bunch of the other guys really like, um, you made fun of me one night and then like, I was like, oh man, that's cool. Like they were all laughing, but like they weren't laughing at me. They were laughing with me. I think it was like, I mean, you guys were like, dude, shave that bush or whatever doing or something. And I was like, oh my God. And then I came in the next day and I shaved the bush and the boys went nuts and the locker room was hilarious. And um, then you took me out for beers and you, you showed me, you showed me uh, how to smoke weed out of like a beer bottle. I think you're like <laughs> the bottom of the beer bottle. Some hashies, folks. Yeah. And, and you really made it um, an yeah. experience for me, like not just the hockey. Like I really got to uh, make good friends with you and really it starts to um, just because you're growing up and playing against the Canadians. It's so different. The Canadians are always like um, kicking the crap out of the Americans in these tournaments, and and it's a little intimidating. So, but you made me feel at home. Um, I probably would have. I felt I felt special when you showed up and Art Saran. God bless you, Artie. We yeah. love you. Rest right. in yeah. peace. Yeah. yeah, and we love him. You know that, and he's okay. a big part of all of us, right? He and thought right. Jamie Lang and Brenner with a hit right in front of the bench. Yeah. And the boys loved him. Remember uh, that uh, one. Uh, yeah, I do, and already could hit, and he was just a good team guy, and obviously not the the most skilled guy, but he could do a yeah. bit of everything. We knew that, right? But yeah, at the end of the day, when you guys showed up, I don't know, it was something very new to me, right? Having American, you know, born guys coming yeah, in and brothers. About that? Was that the first time? I loved you it. I loved it. I loved it. As soon as I met you, I was like, you know what? This guy is a cool shit, and I just, you know, and then you lay in your balls on the line too. And, and, you know, you had a, a couple good scraps right away. You're yeah, just like, that's game, it. First game, I want to be here. Yep, first game. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, I was like, always knew you had my back. And um, <laughs> they, and at the end of the game, Zagnew used to put us out there. I'd center you and uh, maybe, um, who was the other? Me and Ryan. Us, we, we were like yeah, kind of best right. friends, me, you, and Ryan. And, um, yeah, and, yeah, and Danny yeah. Ray was another special kid to me. And Jason Allison yeah. was also very nice. Roy Gray. Um, That's right. Yeah, we had some good teammates really there. Good Jordan Willis. We had a lot of guys. Yeah. And London Knights yeah. over the years really got this reputation to be like the New York Yankees of the OHL. So I felt I I, I knew that back then that it was um the one of the better places to go just because people were telling me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just because people were telling me that though. I didn't like, but now history has proven, you know. So uh, yeah. so tell the us about your your too. wine. Yeah. So that's your second or third year when I meet you, Robbie, in the OHL. Second year, Billy. Second year. My my first year, I was actually, um, yeah, the last cut in training camp, and they sent me down to the London Nationals. I was a 10th round draft pick, yeah, right? So, okay. um, yeah, so, so they, used me, the they, they called me up a couple times, and I ended up obviously fighting and playing my role. But the, my second year, when you came to, that, that was my first year, right? And then my third year was really my second year, and, and you were already gone back to the U.S., but I, I had a I had a really good year. I I finished fourth in the league in majors and in penalty minutes, and I had thirty some odd points in fifty games. So I really, you know, I I looked at when you came into town, and like I said, you know, we were you were a winger, but centerman and everything else, and I, just your skill set and just how 
you just showed up to the rink every day. I, I, I embrace that, Billy. So I think you and playing with you too really helped me even get my free agent tryout to St. Louis. And I've never been able to tell you that, but wow. I, I want to say thank you. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, I've always had a, a really uh, just, uh, yeah, wow, man, that's awesome. So listen, now you're turning pro, right? Tell us about, did, did you feel like you deserved an NHL uh, uh, deal or what, what's going on in your head now? How old are you, 20 years old? <laughs> yeah, 20, 19, 20. Uh, no, did I was a like camp. You, you served a tryout somewhere or did you get to an NHL? Uh, yeah, no, I, I had a good last year and, you know, Colorado oh, yeah, ended up very, calling. Very last year, where are you? You're in London. Did you play all your time in London? Yeah, I'm in London. And, and like when we met, our, our second year was really my first year. And then my last year was, you know, not my overage year, but that was basically, you know, my breakthrough year. And I had a good year. year. With the OHL. I, 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 yeah, I had a good year. And, um, you know, I had a couple uh, calls from NHL teams, but you know the way it was, right? It was, you have to fill out some roster spots and things too. And I wasn't taking Tony Twist's job. That wasn't happening in, in, in St. Louis, right? So How I knew that. You get? How tough did you get? How did you feel last year in the OHL? Did you feel like you, you were like, you know, top three, top five guy? No, uh, not at all. Like I, never, I never looked at it that way. Um, I got tougher as the years went on, but I got my ass kicked too in junior. I, I had to learn, right? And, you know, fighting guys like Karens and Bolton and Jeremy Stevenson, you know, just Listen a lot of teams, fellas. Listen to this. Uh, kid. A lot, lot of guys, right? <laughs> it is what it is, right? So, you know, I had to learn. I was always a, a righty and I had to learn, even though that it was tough for me to throw less because I had, about that because America had a shoulder, more. right? Hey, listen, sorry, man. We might have a time delay because I'll keep trying to jump in, but, but I apologize. Okay. Tell That's us about okay. how, uh, Robbie, tell us about how what you mean about that. Because for the average American kid around here playing high school hockey, they have no idea about what right being a righty or lefty. What, tell us about that. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, the times when we played. Many lefties. Yeah, when we played Billy, that, uh, you know, being a southpaw can make a big difference in a fight, right? And we didn't listen. Um I deal with a lot of uh, shit right now, right? I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at 38, dystonia, another neuromuscular disease. It's very hard for me to sit here and talk even, right? Oh, I know, I know. Of, we, we've I know, but at the end of the day, I'm telling these kids that, you know, there's, there's going to be fighting in hockey, right? We know that happens. I'm against it in junior now with what I've been through in that, and I just think, that with the developing brain and, and the way that we know with science and the lack of support that we have from the league surrounding us, right? That, you know, fighting isn't good, right? At, at the junior level, but so if it's gonna happen, yeah, you have to know yeah, how to throw both hands because if you don't, then yeah, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. And I suffered a lot of trauma early on because I, I wasn't aware of it, right? So, and, and you know that, you know that. Over the years, Freddie, did you just start to practice with your left? Because I, I, to be honest with you, um, the, the, the older I got, um, just when I'd be driving in the car, I'd just be going like this with my left hand <laughs> just to start to train yeah. it. Yeah, and because just get it out there. You're the, right. Because I was a boxer growing up. Like, I boxed a lot. But I, you're Defeated. always yeah. in the right-handed stance. So you're never yeah. throwing straight lefts. You're throwing left That's jabs, right. left hooks, left uppercuts. So anyways... Listen, Robbie, you're now, what, 20 years old? You're turning pro. Who's the first pro team you signed with, bud? Yeah, so interesting. Nope, sorry. Uh, um, 
Billy, uh, uh, the first pro team, I, I actually, St. Louis ended up sending me down to the minors. They were talking about an East Coast League, American League contract, but I had our school money. And that was one of the first years that, you know, the OHL had our school package. So I had all that money sitting there. So I ended up getting a call from Dave Gilmore, you know, one of our captains there in London, Davey Gilmore. Yeah, you what a great him. player he was. And he was a great guy. Shout out to Davey. Yeah, so I ended up going yeah, to school with him. Hey, I yeah. can't believe he didn't play in the NHL after how he was tearing up the um, – and then he tore up Imagine the uh, – I think he's like the all-time leading scorer in college or something, no? Something yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I played with him out in New Brunswick for a couple of years, and then I ended up signing yeah. with the Islanders uh, at St. Thomas University. That's right. In New Brunswick, yeah. St. Thomas. We had, we had a few – a lot of OHL players – Quebec Major Junior League players. Yeah, he knocked too. out someone. He knocked out someone with a hit that year too. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he yeah, knocked out know. one of the first games I got there. He knocked out someone with a hit. I saw two Did guys get off. I was. Th- I think I was. I think I was only. Really? Yeah. Yep. I remember because I was like, "Holy!" I, I kind of recall it. I'm kind of. Well, he was like, no. to, like uh, as a junior player, like Allison needed him to be Jason yeah. Allison. Yeah, they they were a good combo together, and then and then you getting on that line was even sicker because yeah, you, yeah. you ended up bringing some physical presence too, and just a lot. But Billy, yeah, we don't have to go there. I hey, know listen, how good you are. Listen, so yeah. you're turning pro. So did did St. Louis invite you to camp? Yeah, no. Uh, Jack Evans was uh, their head scout and was based in London, so he watched me and all of us are my final year there, right? And he called me and he said, "Fritter, look at I want you to come to camp." And I was like, wow, I get, you know, after being cut my first year, demoted, right, uh, with the Knights, and then, you know, getting back, I was pretty proud of myself and thinking, you That's know what, I did a good job. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I knew that I was going into camp not to make the team, and but I went in there and I played very hard. And, Are you looking uh, to make the American Hockey League club at this point? Do you have enough confidence with the with the biscuit and, and how you can skate and move around and you die the game? I, I did, Billy, but I also – you know, had uh, my grandfather, um, you know, who was very educated at the time too, telling me not to piss away um, my school package. And so that really, and I was on the phone with him a lot. And so, yeah, that's why I didn't turn pro. I ended so up you going went to college for two years and then you left. Yeah, two years. My, yeah, I was going to go graduate my third year, just a BA in economics and religious studies. Father Fred, yeah. I could have been Father Fred. Great minister. <laughs> great minister, yeah. Maybe, like, yeah. Maybe a cannabis one now. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. That's right. But hey, yeah, you know that. Our good Lord loves the plants. Yeah, man, I but, mean, I don't mean to make fun of God because he doesn't like to be made fun of because uh, <laughs> no, no, that's the real tale, yeah. man. But, uh, he also enjoys a good sense of humor. That's right. So that, that Billy just, uh, yeah, I really matured, I think, just as – you know, rested too. I came. I came away from a lot of trauma in junior and fighting all those guys. Yeah, Robbie. I didn't want to. I was telling Robbie. I got to tell this story, okay? Because right. part of the reason, part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show is to bring attention to um, the violence uh, some guys do suffer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I fought Carnes, I remember the beating he gave you, and and I, and I say that uh, because the whole rink was going, "Oh, you were yeah. overmatched." Um, sure, of course it was. It ugly. was yeah. And um, <laughs> I think that's something that we bonded about. I think uh, after the game, I think I stayed with you like an extra time to like talk. Yeah, you did. Like, you know, yeah. I think um, 
It was I a lot. It was emotional. He's from my hometown. Yeah, I had to see you know, him at the bars, you know. Listen, Bob. But, you know what? I showed up. You know what? Eric's a good guy. And I saw him at Emma's back porch. We went out for beers. He bought me a beer. And you know what? He really respected me for showing up. But the, the year after, uh, uh, when you left, I ended up fighting him again. But I got him on the bench, Billy. And I got on top of him like a pit bull, <laughs> pit bull right? Like he couldn't pull you him, off. He couldn't get his arms out, nothing, right? And I'm just like, Fucking fuck red you. Pit bull. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, he wasn't happy the next summer hey, though, Billy. You friggin', yeah. um, you taught me a lot about uh, life that night, and um, because yeah. um, I know you didn't want to do it. You're not that type of guy. You're not a, uh, you're not a, you, you're yeah. a fighter, but you're not an evil man. And um, yeah. and, and, thank and, you, Billy. And, um, and um, there's different types of guys over the years that I played with that um had the role you had, and um, I ended up I was never a fighter, but everybody always wanted to fight me. Uh, my whole life so I had to learn how to fit at an early age I got very good yeah. at it and people didn't know that so when they fought me they were like and now I'm fighting these six seven guys like Carnes and Andy Sutton and That's I'm like right. almost beating them if not you could say I it was a tie. Sutton's uh, a good friend of mine too he, I grew up with him eh? yeah, playing. What up, I listened to his interview the other day on spin too yeah. and I give the awesome. guys a, a, a hard time a lot but um they deserve a bunch of pussies. Yeah, Anyways, just, listen, back to you. This is a really you're, big you're getting time sent show, down. Yeah. You're getting sent down. I'm big time. They're fucking low time. That's right. That's listen, right. You're getting sent down yeah. to the minors. You're getting AHL deals. You're getting East Coast League deals. What's your first training camp like? Where was where was your expectation level to where it ended up? Yeah, so after I left school, it was just, you know, I just wanted to go play pro hockey. And I, I knew I was starting at the East Coast League level. And I accepted that, embraced it. I I knew that it was still good hockey, and there was a lot of tough guys there in that league, right? So I ended up in I started in Kentucky um, uh, with the Thoroughblades there. I fought I fought Chara in training camp, by the way. Yeah, fucker stuck me right in the stomach, right, and then cross checked me in the back of the neck, and I hey, I didn't really? care if he was six nine. He was only nineteen at the time, right? But I got a few shots in Billy. I guess he wanted it. He's going after. Yeah, I guess he wanted it. So, anyways, I ended How'd up getting set. How'd you do? I, yeah, I had a good camp. I had a great camp. Well, how'd you do with Chara? Did you handle him? Did you get? Did you get? Oh yeah, I wasn't scared of him. No, oh. fuck, no. Oh, I, I ran him over in training camp when That's I was. That's right. Going, so. Compared to some of the guys, you know that uh, we fought and that. No, there was guys that you truly, you know, did kind of worry about. But well, there was guys. So I was in the East Coast League. Like, you know what? I knew I was in trouble with my life and how I was and how I operated out on the ice. Was yeah. Uh, not in the OHL when I ran in there and they called me Billy the Kid, like running through the place like a fucking lunatic, right? Like I did. <laughs> no big deal. I was the best. I was the toughest. You were my bestie. Yeah. You saw it. Listen, I saw it. Yeah, at the end right, of the man. day, when you're going through life and you start to be real, you know who the tough guys are. That's you don't right. have to worry about it. That's right. Tell us about when you signed with the East Coast League. That's the best. <clears throat> yeah, no. Uh, so I went down to Louisville and Warren Young. He scored fifty in the NHL, and I was playing with there with Danny Rea too. And uh, who's Warren Young? In about 50 in that, who's tell us about Warren Young? Fifty in the NHL. Who's that? And that's yeah. He, he scored fifty in Pittsburgh, but he was on a line with Mario Lemieux, right? And uh, Warren, I used to have conversations with him. Big six foot four winger, and Mario used to say, "You know what, kid? Just and this was his rookie year. Warren scored fifty. You've heard about him. I know you have. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. It's coming back. It's so, like a Robbie Brown yeah. story. 
Well, yeah, like, Mario uh, just put the fucking said, kid, go to the net, drive the net, play tough when you have to play tough. And, you know, he played his role. And Warren taught me a lot that year, too, and how to survive, right? And, you know, not fighting for a couple years, coming from junior to college and then back into the pros, right? And Did you um, ever you skating at St. Thomas? Yeah, yeah. Al McAdam, uh, he was my coach there. He's the legendary and, Canadian. You know, I played in Andy Ganesh, right? For the Maritime Junior A Andy Ganesh. Ball. Yes, I did know yeah, that. That was what, a, what yeah. a, um, the coach was unbelievable. Great league, tough league. Danny, yeah. Oh, yeah. Danny Barry um, was my GM, and he yeah. made it worthwhile with the money. Um, I lived well, it helped your there. development there, too. It helped your it development. You, you know what? When yeah. you're not, I was never physically developed. Irish kids grow late. I don't know if you know this, but they do. And I was never physically developed until I was like into my early twenties. I knew um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like um, same, some people. So when you're, well, yeah, you, when you get grow late, it kind of helps you because you get to play if you got balls because you get to play the game <laughs> to have to use your, your edges in the corners. You know, you yeah. have to use your edges in your skating and your balance and your in your aggressiveness and your intestinal fortitude to your advantage. I got a story. I was a little kid. My fucking father. He was my coach. I go back to the bench after getting buried. I come back crying. And he goes, we went into the corner and you stood still with the puck. He goes, go in the corner as fast as you can. Get the puck and come out of the corner as fast as you can. I did it the next shift. I knocked the kid out with the hit. I didn't know how. I had the puck. He, just, he tried to hit me. But yeah. Yeah, with my, yeah, with my, with my bot, with my, with my athletic ability, I was able to, what yeah, yeah, you were a bull, you, you had a lot of just your stride, you were bull-legged too, but you were just very hard to knock off the puck, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, like I, trust me, I, I sat back and, and just watched a lot, right? I, I thought about getting into scouting at some point, but your skating ability was just, yeah, it, it, it was above a, a lot that I seen throughout my entire career. Billy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So listen. So talk about when you t you're turning pro now. Are you fighting? You got two years off into college. Are you fighting as a pro, or do you want to fight? Do you miss it? Oh yeah, I'm fighting. I'm fighting everywhere I. <laughs> but played, do you I miss fought. it, Robbie? Do you miss it? <laughs> it was it was embedded in the style that I played. It was never going to leave. Right. Did, it was in your bloodline, Robbie. It's in. Yeah. It was created. You know, my first year in junior. It just. I getting back to that camp. My first year in London. I fought six times, Billy, in two inter-squad games, right? And, and fighting Brad Smith, you know, uh, Smitty was a tough yeah, guy. Yeah, he was my roommate in Birmingham my first year. Yeah, oh, I caught him banging this chick through his window one time, walking back <laughs> to get rolling papers with Craig Crusher Johnson. And we, yeah. over, we, I go, did you just see that? So he's looking yeah. in the mirror. He's smashing some broad doggy, flexing like this. <laughs> 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 she doesn't know what's going on. Oh, hilarious, dude. I tell that story all the time. Yeah. Hey, do you, I got another great story from that. Hey, did you know a guy, Rick Boyd? Did you know a guy, Rick Boyd? Yeah, not 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 as much as, as you Yeah, he was my Johnstown guy, but there was another guy. Okay. Uh, he was the tough guy in Johnstown, but there was another guy, Boydy. And he played on my team in Birmingham, and he stole my watch. And he was Craig Crusher Johnson's friend. He goes, you know, um... He goes, you know, um, Boydie got your watch. I go, what? Because I left, it fell out of my track pants in his jeep, <laughs> right? And I came back the next, that day. I, I, it was a guest watch, 100 bucks. Yeah. Um, whatever. Anyways, um, I come back the next day. And I said, hey, did you find my watch? I think it fell out of my pants in your, in your jeep. He goes, uh, 
uh, I'll check later or something like that. And I didn't want to be, I was like, oh, yeah, no big deal. It was 100 bucks, right? But 100 bucks back in 1992 <laughs> to an 18-year-old kid who just turned pro, you know. So listen, so so I a week later, Craig Crusher Johnson goes, Tibbs, I gotta tell you something. He goes, Boy, do you got your watch? I said, What are you talking about? He goes, Go look in his room right now. And I was like, No, nah, I can't go in his room. He goes, All right, come with me. He opened the door, he just threw the door open like that. And I looked right on his bed stand was my watch. I walked right and I looked at it and I was like, He's been wearing it because it was already on my band. Oh, maybe he even took it in and got it fitted. <laughs> oh, no, no, it had the different holes. So the next thing you know, right, he comes home, I'm baked. I go, Boydie, I got to ask you a question. Now, I got my pride. This is my tough guy on my team, right? I'm I'm a healthy scratch, 32 straight games or 28. I'm the young kid on the team. I'm the practice guy, right? Bill Roberto, (laughs) legendary Montreal. He was my GM in Columbus, yeah. Yeah, Okay, great. Greatest guy in the world, right? He he, he, he won that time Danny Berry and Andy Guinness. Shout out to Danny Berry. Yeah. So um, I go, Boydie, I got, I got to ask you. I go, I go, did you find my watch? And he's like, oh, 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 what are you talking about? And I'm like, um, and he's like trying to like hustle down the hallway to his room. And I'm like, and he goes and looks and it's not on his bed stand because I got it in my pocket. And I go, I, I'm like, oh, I, I'm like, because uh, uh, Craig said he found it. Or something like that, ever, right? And um, he goes, oh, yeah, well, uh, I go, uh, he, and he goes, it was here. Or I go, oh, maybe it's there behind that dresser. And he leans behind the dresser to look. I didn't even wait for him to turn around. I just blasted him behind the ear. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he come to, he wanted to fight. I'm like, you didn't really want to fight when you were asleep. And no. um, Craig's like, no, you guys can, you know, fight somewhere else, like. Like, I was like, all right, let's fight. And, like, we would have trashed out a pop, whatever. He might. So we fought it the next day. My hand was the size of a, a, a Swiss ball that you do the sit-ups on, okay? It's all and, messed up, yeah. And I was like, man. And then everyone on the team's like, Tibbs, you got to fight him. Like, you, you, like, I didn't want to fight at all because my hand was broken you know, or whatever it was. Because yes. I actually had a broken hand, right? Yeah. So anyways, um. I tape my hand up like, <laughs> like a friggin' uh, like I don't know, like you try to. Like I did it a hundred yeah. different ways to make it feel all right. So we're skating around the beginning of practice, right? He's like, "Let's go!" And I think he thought I was gonna because I was I was one hundred and sixty eight pounds, uh, yeah. uh, one seventy five, one seventy. Yeah. So like two twenty, two thirty. He's a he had a big blonde head. So, so I was like, but no one had, I hadn't played all season. I'd just been practicing and I've been telling and been watching this guy, Jerome Bouchard fight all year. Jerome Bouchard. Oh. Yeah, he's my captain in Columbus. Okay. It's good guy. Very good terrible. guy. Yeah. yeah. I love Jerome Bouchard. Not him. Guy, but he just showed up. He would do. Well, I, he knows how to fight. Like unbelievable. He knows. He so I started to watch that guy and I was like, all right, well, you got to really like, you know, like throw him yeah. faster. Than the next yeah. guy, like it doesn't matter yeah. if you knock him up, but the momentum of it That's all, right. and like, so anyways, I fought this kid. I, I, I speed bagged him. <laughs> <laughs> I come in the next day, coach finds out about. It, he goes, ah, we gotta go. You know, yeah, you know, I got a spot in Andy Ganesh for you. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm I like, I get it. I get. I should have. I probably shouldn't have blasted him in his uh, in his apartment, but whatever. And, and then you go up to the NHL after all is said and done, right? Where's that? Uh, yeah. Well, is it was a long road. That's before, isn't it, Billy? 
Yeah, that's so, before. So Phil's kicking. That was my first year pro. My second year pro was with Johnstown and Nick Fatio. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, that summer, right after the season, I went and got locked up. So listen, yeah. you're a pro now. You're, you're, you're a, you know, you, you, you learn in the pro game. Do you think you're ever going to make the NHL when you're in the minors? Or are you, are you just trying to get to no, the NHL? My, my, my goal, my reality was to play in the American Hockey League just one step at a time. And then, you know, if I did get there, then, you know, I knew that I was one step closer, but my first year in Louisville, uh, I ended up, and there's a video online, it's Robert Frid versus Lee Cole, that was a defenseman in Toledo, and he was one of those guys, Billy, that would wait until, you know, you were at the end of the shift, and then try to get you, yeah, right, yeah. and so, you know, uh, Lee broke the code one night, and um, that was the end of the year. We weren't actually making the playoffs in Louisville. We were close. What, you the game on meant him? Nothing. The game meant nothing, Billy. And it was like, I think we were down like five to one. And I was coming off the end of a shift in a power play. I was getting a lot of just different shit. And he ended up grabbing me. He's like, let's go, Fritter. I'm like, I'm fucking just coming off two and a half minutes, bro. Like, And you'd I'll like to score a shift. fucking goal one and time. He fucking, he fucking sucker punched me, broke my nose. I was just fucking, and then a light switch went off. I fought him, did the best I could, but you know that when you get your Yeah, broken. when you get blind after you get punched. Yeah. Oh, and then hard. after the fight, he ended up uh, breaking away from the linesman, and he went and raised the roof. And there was about six, 7,000 crazy Toledo fans going nuts. And I don't remember a lot of it, but I came in right behind him. If you guys got that video, look that up. I've I seen it. Tell the story, you fucking sicko. Tell yeah, the story. I broke his jaw in 10 places, knocked out six of his teeth and then Andy Van Helleman called me um how'd after... you do it how'd you do it what do you mean I mean he 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 did what he did and then you what the, you went squirrely so what'd you do to him like I like I said I was blacked out I think a lot of it but all I remember was him after the fight raising the roof and egging on the crowd after he yeah, it's not cool. no energy. I'm like I speedbagged hey I all right, sorry about that. Hey, listen, you know what? I got a similar story. I, I didn't do anything crazy after, but I, I just speedbagged Todd Vodork, my first AHL fight, right? And yeah. um, when I got back playing, I speedbagged him. And he got up from the fight. I think he was so embarrassed about getting speedbagged of a, of a fight he started. Because if you start the fight and you get speedbagged, it's 10 times worse. So anyway, yeah. he's going back to the box going, and like, <laughs> self, like doing all this shit. And I was like, I watched this video now for 20 years going, that kid just got his ass kicked. And he's going back <laughs> yeah, like, because yeah. there was a guy in the box going like, Ugh! and even the Philadelphia Phantoms announcer was like, oh, he hit him with a bomb. He threw a wild left that went around the side of me. He didn't even touch me. But not yeah. on rockers. If people don't know, they call the blades rockers. Anyways, yeah. Fred, you're down you how many years pro now when you're starting to say, hey, fuck it, I might have to So hey, listen, let me finish this story because it ended my American Hockey League career. Right. That's because what I'm Andy okay, ended up calling me, Billy, uh, uh two days after Who did? Who? Me, Who? Andy Van Helleman, the referee. He was at that time the officials, you know, uh, you know, he, he called all the suspensions and he called me up and he said, Fritter, I'm not gonna give you two or three games. And I'm on the phone. I'm like, oh, thank you, Andy. You know, because I broke this kid's jaw. I fucking shattered his face. Right? Oh, he goes, I'm not, did you blast him? How did you break his face? I came in from behind because he broke the code. He. So what did you do to him? Fighting. What did you he hit him from behind? 
Yeah, he raised the roof, and I fucking pushed the light. <laughs> I know, he raised the roof. What did you physically do to him? To... And I came oh. up behind him, and I popped him, fucking dropped him. Like a bag of fucking hammers. That's yeah. why Billy Big Time got the best show in the world. That's that right. Guy. All right, so well, what? He's laying on the ice. What are you thinking? Fuck him. Oh, there was a, you know, you can watch the video. There was a fucking brawl erupted, and then I went to the dressing room, and the owner came down with Toledo police, and they wanted to charge me. And then, yeah, uh, uh, the police ended up kicking the owner out of the, my dressing room and said, no, no, Rob. Nobody's going to get charged. You know what I'm thinking? Thing. The slap shot scene when they're like, hey, the Hansons. The cops come to the door and they go, the Hansons. Yeah. And then they shut the door and they go, hey, the cops are there. And they go, buy a pizza. You got a phone call. Buy a pizza. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Up, this was the end of the first period, Billy. And you know I that scene? Going, look at I end up going into our team bus. Yeah. And then the fans in Toledo oh. ended up throwing, they threw firecrackers underneath the bus they knew i was in there who did so hold on stop i, I wasn't I, i'm a terrible host yeah. reverse that story start start that one over that was awesome so after the cops ended up they said nobody's getting charged in this, this is yeah awesome. they could do that in the you 80s or the 90s so i ended up going back into the team bus i had to sit there for two hours in the bus maybe i put a porn on i don't know what was going on yeah we all but, used to yeah maybe my pants were down i was just chilling out having a chew Right, and then all of a sudden, all I hear is bang, bang, bang. Oh yeah, the firecrackers underneath the bus. Who the did fans, that? The fans. Yeah, they were mad. The, against the team. Yeah, the are people Toledo carrying around firecrackers. Are you shitting me? They were pissed off. Lee jumped me, broke the code, and got his face smashed and carried off on a stretcher. Fuck yeah, he's, he's never coming on the big time show. No, I Listen. fought him a couple times after in senior. Oh, you did? Yeah, and then he said... I tried to... I snuck into Canada and tried to play in the Quebec Senior League for 150 grand for the Quebec Radio X. And the yeah. next thing you know, I'm just practicing with them for a week. I'm living in an apartment smelling like urine. And the fucking <laughs> GM from the team, right? Yeah, cat piss everywhere. I've cleaned this place for a week, and it still was wouldn't leave. Cat piss was the worst. So the next thing you know... I'm like, uh, what do you mean they're after me? He goes, the cops, they're going to arrest you. Someone's going to arrest you. The feds, whatever. The, the Canadian yeah. government, the royal. I think a fucking Mountie was going to come down and throw a lasso <laughs> around my neck and take me down to and beat me up with a bunch of hockey gloves on or something. Who the yeah. fuck knows? Next thing you know, I'm like, what? What do you mean? In the next thing, he goes, I had to drive seven hours or five hours that way to go to another border crossing. He's like, just do it. He goes, trust me. I go, how bad are they looking for me? That's, I just like put it, he, I'm like, cause um, that's like five hour drive. He goes, just do it. <laughs> I'm like, the guy was cool as shit. He was like 30 like, okay. years old. He wanted to give me 150 grand to play in the, and it was the, yeah. so you know what? I snuck into Canada. Did you hear about this? So next thing he goes, oh, it's a border crossing. He goes, listen, he goes, can I pause this and pee and tell this story? And then we're going to wrap it up. Oops, pause it. Please. Yeah. I'll, I'll go, go too. Mom's outside. You guys say we'll hi. We'll be right back. Give me 90 seconds, kiddo. Me too. I'll go. We're good. I got to go for one, too. All right, right cool. I'm just going to pause the recording. Yeah. Perfect. Hey, Can we have a smoke break? Hey, Rebel, what's up? Listen, Freda, your fucking career is unbelievable. You're going to be a regular friend to the show, hopefully. Um, we're going to talk more okay. about your cannabis um, connections and what you've been doing. Uh, with your parks and whatever else, you look really good. And I didn't mean to tell you to stop um, 
uh, moving around so much at the beginning, but, um, um, yeah. but I okay. mean, if, if like, if, if people don't say, Hey, listen, like stop smoking cigarettes, they're not going to yeah. stop smoking. You got to have friends to remind you about what you're going, what you're doing. And um, it's a been lot. a lot better with the video since. So I appreciate that for that. Yeah, no, well, you. listen, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to tell a story and then you're going to tell us the story about your life after hockey. So in Canada, in uh, the year, I believe I did the beer broom. I, I was, uh, I, I played, um, with the Chicago Wolves, I, I lit it up. I was by far the best player in the American League. They didn't want me. Uh, Great team, yeah. It was there yeah, in camp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent coach, John Anderson, Marty Howe. Yeah. Um, some of the best people in the world out there. So the next year, I'm I'm going to be a broom. My dad's like, do it, do it, do it. And I'm like, Dad, I'm a pro hockey player. I already played in the a NHL. People don't want um, – it's not the show. It's like for the fans. He's like, do it. <laughs> so he kept signing me up. So the fourth time, I skipped it three times. It's my old man, though, right? So I, in the back of my head, I'm like, if, I mean, I wasn't totally against it, but I, I didn't want to do I met, it. I met your dad, and rest in peace. I just want to say that again, yeah. Billy. Yeah, you from we talked heart. about him today, about that love story, how he drove up yeah, to yeah. watch our first game. Yeah, we got to give when him a shout-out. He loved you, and just, yeah, he's yeah. proud of you. Thanks. So you keep, keep going. I'm trying to do it. I mean, I, I do in, in, for the people that think I'm a fucking drug addict, you guys suck. Like people who do coke <laughs> once in a while or smoke yeah. coke once in a while do not, are not fucking drug addicts, dude. You think fucking. Not uh, a drug addict, Billy. Yeah, no, people, no, 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 no. Make cocaine like fucking, you're the you devil. Help people, you help you me. Shit. They can go fuck themselves. He's done a lot for me. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. This is the best story ever. Freda, thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was pumped all day. Yeah, man, yeah. We, we've always had, we loved each other. Yeah. So, um, so I'm up in Canada. In, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm up in, um, so I'm in, I'm in the beer room. They caught me. I'm like, what the fuck am I getting? So this guy calls me out of the blue, 150 grand tax free. If I go get to, I go, buddy, I can't get into Canada. He goes, yeah, you can. He goes, if you sneak in, they can't throw you out. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like 150 grand for four months of hockey. Right. It was Good the year money. after the strike, so it was 2005. Cash, cash, Quebec Steel Radio X is the name of the team. Yeah. I get there. It. So he, I mean, I get to the border. He tells me, oh, this border, this, and I couldn't find it. But then I was like, oh, this got to be it because this is such a small road. I go up there. They go, no, well, Billy, we know who you are. It's a single lane road going into Canada. I thought it was all <laughs> the highways, right? I know where like, that border is. A single is. lane, like regular side road going into Canada. And he's yeah. like, and I got to the wrong spot. There was no Google, nothing, right? No maps to sneak into Canada. Nothing. He goes, no. Well, I talked to some locals. I spent the night in the motel. <laughs> the next day, I drove around like 30 miles an hour, the whole place. I mapped it all out. I had a game plan. <laughs> I can see you there were cell phones out, by the way, at the time. Because yeah. when I snuck, so I went to this. He goes, Billy, this place closes at night. I said, what? <laughs> what? Little rock book. <laughs> Tibbetts Rum. Bumski. Oh, I love it. Love the label. Nice. I only got the Bumski. Yeah, yeah, fuck Pink Whitney. Bumski. <laughs> so anyways, at the end of the day, we got, um, I'm, I'm doing recon. Now, I'm sneaking into another fucking country. Kid, I'm sneaking yeah. into another country. And I'm, yeah, doing, get, I'm fucking doing it. London and just so, yeah. 150 grand. I don't have any money, bro. I'm driving right. around an X5 wanting to go get like good you're going to I a gotta bank. Eat fucking burger king kid you're going to a bank and you're picking up sacks of money you're like i'm going for four That's months it. of like people are like oh it's so crazy up there i'm like not crazier than me bro so anyway yeah. i go uh 
I get to the border. They go, Billy, we know who you are. I spend the night in the hotel. The next day, I find it. And I look, and I can't drive up there and go, is this the border that closes at 1030 at night? <laughs> so it's like across a farm field or something. Right? I'm in Maine, Vermont. Oh, who the fuck knows me? I'm sneaking into yeah. camp. So yeah. next thing you know, right? I got this guy coaching me through it on my cell phone. He's like, no, no, the rug, take a right, left, right. He's like, he's like a, 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 a CIA spy sneaking me in. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on, right? This is the first time I ever told this on tape, like, like in detail. This is wild. I love it. I love it. So I go up 10 miles an hour because the lights are on in the place and it's a shack. But it's got one of those arms that goes up and down on a dirt road with a big rock. But you can sneak around the arm and go by with it fit an SUV X5, obviously. So I go, I go up, I look, I put, uh, I take my license plate off or put duct tape on them. I forget. Uh, I took them <laughs> off actually, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. And then I go around, and I and I had a half joint. Right, I didn't even have a fucking full joint. Right, I had no money. I had a half bone. I'm like, that's of my worries is this half bone in my mouth. Cheers to that. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing you know, I get in, and now I'm in. So I guess when I cross, I'm in Quebec, right? Yeah. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a road which is like uh, in Cohasset off Jerusalem Road in Insituate. Like, there's no. Stop signs, there's no lights, there's no for miles, 20, 30 yeah. minutes, bro. And then wow. I get to like a bar area with like gas stations and restaurants. And it's Just a no rural, lights, it's a rural border town in Quebec. I pull into yeah. a bar, I get a beer. I'm like, Am I in Canada? They're like, oh. <laughs> They were I like, Because I mean, it didn't say anything on the building, it was just an arm going up and Nothing. down. That's right. And I'm like, but I knew I was in Canada just because of all the street signs, all the way people talked, but I had to hear it from another human. And I had to take a leak and I had to get a beer. And I called my dad right when I crossed the border. And I said, dad, I just snuck <laughs> into Canada. My father busted out laughing like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. dad's nickname was the outlaw and he went to Harvard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wasn't a criminal. He's just his name. Cause Josie. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So listen, I, I, think just, that, I think that dude with the gate was the actual, he could have been on the booster club or part owner. No, like, no, no, no. It was a Canadian national border. And it closes. It's such a rural crossing that it closes at like midnight or 1030. Billy, listen, when I retired, listen, when I retired in Odessa, Texas, St. Jean Richelieu, they called me. All they wanted me to do was sign a card with them in that league. And they sent me, I think, five grand cash right to a western union within minutes nice so nice, just, yeah. obviously that's a bigger contract oh yeah well i was hanging out with like uh i think jason hamilton alexander matthew was on uh my team and a bunch of nx nhl guys we had like an nhl team it was not sure. oh yeah quebec yeah. city already x was spending millions to put Good a hockey, squad out there yeah. and alexander matthew was um a borderline nhl guy his whole career he was excellent and I called the cup run. He was one of our best players. And I shout out to Alexander Matthew, one of the classiest, most best guys I ever met. And uh, Elaine Nazadine, uh, I mean, yep. sorry, so sorry, Elaine and Sammy, but Sammy was really my friend. The I only hung out in uh, Vegas with Elaine. Yeah. Yeah, so well, listen, cool. like, we're going to, um, I got my producers here and everything like this. It's me. I could stay all night, but, um, no, no. Uh, and they've been great. And they are unbelievable. And uh, shout out in, um, 
to Jackie Moran, my producer, and um, Ryan Donnelly, my producer, and his two friends. Can, you, can I get you guys' names again, please? Max and Sam Rand. Max and Sam Rand. Two of the, two of the cool. Yeah. And, the, and when my producers bring their friends up here, it brings all sorts yeah. of energy and um, kind of puts a little bit of pressure on me to stay a little bit sober. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. Drinking, drinking hey, heavy and hard. You're, yeah, you're doing amazing, and I love it. And Everybody you know, says keep up the good work. I know I'm drinking a yeah, lot. Stuff like that, but, um, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'm a drinker, so uh, I don't uh, want to be a drinker my whole life. Off and on, happy and hot. You know, enjoy the times, green lights. What's up? Ah! Anyways, listen, I love you. All right, I and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. I got a bunch of friends. Um, okay. Everybody that's come on my show so far, like I had Kevin Stevens earlier tonight, and yeah, Willie Francis, and I, hopefully everyone likes my interviews awesome. and wants to come back on. Yeah, I'm honored that you brought me on board. Can we take we take a moment of silence to talk about your parents real quick? All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about your mom and your dad in 30 seconds or less. Tell us about it, and um and um I know you didn't know your dad, and I know your mom died when you were 15, and my dad just died. So so tell us uh, what you're thinking about um uh, Jesus Christ in the afterlife and, and, and your CBD product and everything going on with you, and uh, how you feeling mentally, and wrap it up for me. You wrap it up no, in the no, six no. Time, Yeah, thank you, Billy. And uh, yeah, I'll go back and yeah, my, my mother, obviously I miss her, um, lost her before junior, but always, you know, lived within my heart and she taught me, you know, to look after my friends and, you know, to be compassionate for those who do struggle. And then, you know, obviously I've never met my biological father, but Dave Fritt, my stepfather has been in my life since I've been nine years old. So at the end of the day, I do have family. I have support. Um, yeah, the game has left me with some physical injuries that are longstanding, Billy, and just it's not going to get better, right? Um, it's hard. Um, but, you know, I believe that I can live with Parkinson's. Hey, you know what we used to say? Hey, you know, know what me and you used to say? Yeah, what's that? Who fucking cares? That's right. <laughs> Who fucking cares? And you're who right. Fucking, and hey, now, who, look, no, I mean, who fucking cares? Me, you're a fucking tougher than everyone, bro. Who yeah. fucking cares? Thank you. Fuck them. And, and you know what? It, it, uh, now we've got a plant here, but it's more about that. It's not just about cannabis. Look at it. It's connecting us back together. And a lot of guys like Riley. Unreal. Coachley, Unreal. Uh, and they know, used to demonize pot. I got a lot of respect for your best friend and, and Jason McDonald. We played and fought hard. Uh, together, you know, the game was different. Time. Guys like us have head injuries. I don't say that. I think my worst head injury ever came when I fell off a skateboard or something in my driveway. I remember being passed out for like 10 hours and I kept waiting. Like, how come mom and dad didn't come out? They weren't home or they were in the house, didn't know. Like, I my head was like, boom. So, head injuries can come from little kids all the way up. But if you're yeah. a hardcore dude, you're going to suffer some head injuries and you yeah. got to learn how to deal with it. But listen, Billy, and you might respect this, is that... Oh, I do. That there's so much talk about the long-term effects of concussions and head injury and everything else. That's always going to be embedded in high-impact sports and our game that we love. Sure, sure. It's our inability to educate about how to deal with chronic pain, right? And we have all gone down that path where we've right. self-medicated and not understanding how to deal with that, right? Um, so it's more about that. It's not about fully about that. It's a lot of us are in a shitload of fucking pain, right? And 
you know, we, we shouldn't be frowned upon for using cannabis or smoking a joint or even having a couple beers. At the end of the day, it's just about people understanding. Well, listen, I, I will be honest with you. I'll totally be honest with you because I thought a lot about my podcast and what I, I got three young kids, they're very handsome, very talented, very cool, come from very yep. awesome families, obviously yep. well-raised. Um, and I got my mother here, my dog, you know, and I'll say this right fucking out loud. I smoked crack or I snorted coke or I smoked weed or I did pills because right. I was in mental, physical or emotional pain. It That's wasn't right. because That's I right. wanted to be a fucking loser. No. no but no, people no. think people are losers because they do right. that shit. They don't know anything about life. Listen, I've been in the Brexit society and I've been on top riding limos with Mario Lemieux and Kevin Stevens. That's right. I don't judge people. I'm not a snob. Never. Anyone who judges somebody is a fucking loser. Stop judging people out there and just love each other. Robbie Fritt, thank you for your time, and I love oh, you, brother, and I I'll talk you. to you soon. Bottom of my heart, I love you, Billy. Thanks. All right. See you, brother.